Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 191 of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond, the last one of his uh, saga, I guess. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing Die Another Day. Um, God damn, I'm dumb. Get out of my head. Fuck you. Anyway, I'm Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Chaz. I'm Zach. And uh, yeah. We're going to be finishing it off. We're also going to be doing a ranking. Um, so what that means is we all do our personal rankings and then we have to come up with a final ranking. I mean, we all have to agree on what will be in the final list. I feel like there's going to be more debate when it comes to the, uh, the world is not enough versus either die, uh, tomorrow never dies or die. I think die another day. I think we're all going to agree last, but that's just that, that's well, just don't a, spoil the whole damn episode here. Come yeah. on. <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, I liked that film. You would. Which one? Die another day. You figure it out. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. But before we go talk about it, guys, what the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Um, I did my halo infinite review it's on my youtube channel i already got uh some good feedback um and stuff that i need to work on my next reviews yeah like make one that doesn't suck next time yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's about no to it was great yeah. i watched it i watched the whole thing it yeah was, it was actually I, really good. actually um it, it had a lot of points in it i hadn't seen from other sources, which is good. I I, uh, I understand that people want an opinion now, now, now. The game's out now. Do I go to Target and buy it now or not? But it's nice when you let opinions stew like that. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that what you have to say bears more weight than someone who like played it as fast as they could the three days that it came out. You know? I think what's wrong with reviews today is everybody's trying to quickly get it out there to be the first one it's kind of like news right now and that makes it does make sense i get why yes but it also it in my opinion it doesn't uh mean you actually played the whole game there are certain cases where people play like an open world or or a jrpg where they play like 10 percent of the game and be like yeah this game sucks Mm -hmm. i didn't get to finish the whole game uh but i have enough hours to you know pretty much critique because you don't know if the second or third final act is going to be the turning point that could totally like turn around the whole game i mean when i was playing halo infinite in the beginning i was like i get it it's open world it's kind of like uh breath of the wild where it's like kind of empty but once you get to the areas you need to go it populates with life so, like, I'm in the beginning, I'm like, all right, I get it. I'm, this is an open world. I'm going from territory to territory. When are we going to get into the story? And then all of a sudden, the story picks up, like, literally at the climax in third act. And I was like, okay, you saved the story for me. Because if the story was shit, I was going to be like, three, four, three. You, you don't do Halo anymore. Go do something different. <laughs> Maybe do a new IP. Um, they were founded just to make Halo games. Like, that's the whole reason the studio exists. Yeah. Um, which go watch my review um, and comment it. I'm not going to go through the whole review here, but I also watch the Halo um, Paramount Plus uh, TV show. And it has nothing to do with the lore besides like Master Chief, 
is in there. The Arbiters are in there, all the enemies, the guns. Um, but they totally took the characters and they're, they're doing something different. And it was fun. It's something different. It's not like I'm uh, getting extended lore. Um, uh, nothing about the show so far is canon. Um, just uh, apparently Master... Oh, uh... I won't call this spoiler because it literally happens in the first episode. His helmet comes off the first episode. Not you would think like they would wait until maybe the ending to show his face. Nah. Yeah, I figured they would do it like the Mandalorian did, where it's like in the last episode, there's kind of like a moment where it has to come off or mm. something like that. Minor spoilers for the Mandalorian, but fuck you, I guess. Yeah, I mean the yeah, thing. Long enough. The, the thing is, it's not a spoiler unless you were just like, man, I need to jerk off to see. Uh, master chief's face or something and like i ruined it for you well guess what go fuck yourself <laughs> that's all i'll say is like the he's okay um it feels very sci-fi and i'm a i'm a stickler for like sci-fi shows i was into farscape uh stargate sg1 so i don't really care about the quality it's not really eye candy enough like you can see the armor is kind of plasticky and um but it, like, what how's the story i know they rework it to be like oh he's a human weapon it's so immoral or whatever like is it good yeah so the plot right now is uh he went on a planet that are against uncs uh unsc marines um and all of a sudden the aliens arbiters and elites attack this city and kill everybody except one survivor uh and, and apparently the um the arbiters were drilling into a mine where there was an artifact and master chief touched that artifact. And like, there's memories of him being a child with his parents. So you're getting backstory about master chief. And then all of a sudden, like <laughs> the government of uh, the UNSC are like, we can't trust master chief. We don't know what happened to him. <laughs> he, he could be compromised. So they he's running away. <laughs> What? So, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's really confusing. Well, he, he ran catcher of the rye. We can't trust him anymore. Like, <laughs> like they, they were transporting uh, the one survivor where all of a sudden uh, Master Chief got an order to be like, you need to kill the survivor. And Master Chief gained a conscience and he's like, no, I'm not following orders anymore. And they tried to <laughs> take the oxygen out of the aircraft to put both of them to sleep because Master Chief wasn't listening to uh, orders. They're like, what is he doing? Because they have like cameras and shit and they're reading all his vitals. And he's like, I can't breathe. And then like he falls, <laughs> he wakes up, he turns on the failsafe for oxygen and he's like, fuck it, I need to get the hell out of here. And he just, that's the end of the episode. I just ruined it for everybody. Go watch it. Mm. <laughs> now that I talk, like, actually discuss it, I'm like, wow, kind of like cliche and stupid, but I had fun. <laughs> so, it's all that matters. Yeah. So, if you have Paramount Plus, if you have Game Pass, by the way, it's a perk. You get it for three months, I believe, Paramount Plus. So, if you want to catch the show, there you go. Um, gaming wise, didn't really play that much. Uh, I played more WWE uh, 2K22. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm making a character called D Defibble H because uh, Triple H is needs a defibrillator to. Uh... <laughs> so, so I'm making him like the GM and stuff, and he's Defibble H. Um, so yeah, that that was my uh, 
time with this game. This is his revenge. He's gonna he's gonna bring back NXT 1.0. Yep, <laughs> against NXT 2.0, Gold Brand versus Rainbow Brand, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that's all I've been doing. Zach, what about you? What have you been uh, playing, watching, or doing? Um, still kind of reading that big old Excalibur trade on the side. Um, not much to report on that yet. Uh, I've still been playing WWE 2K22 myself. Little bits here and there. I picked up, uh, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, like, just a, randomly because it's like twenty dollars. Yeah, it's like it's like a fighting game. It's a solid it's game. Tag fighter, right? Yep. Yeah, it's a yep. it's a tag fighter. It's like a three four button fighter, like whatever you want to call it. Uh, kind of reminds mm-hmm. you of the MVC a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, like, uh, it's kind of like if you were really into Power Rangers at some point, like you'll get a kick out of it. Um, but. It's funny because like I, was, I started playing story mode a little bit, and the AI is just fucking brutal in that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't know, there's these like, like I guess there's a evil version of Tommy or whatever who becomes like an asshole emperor in like an alternate timeline or something, mm-hmm. and uh, he took like other people's power coins or whatever, and like he's got these foot soldiers that somehow they can all use like the original Black Power Ranger armor or something. They're called Mastodon soldiers or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like every time, like so far in the beginning, every time you have to fight somebody, it's like you're one guy fighting two Mastodon soldiers. And all these guys do is spam the fuck out of projectiles, like to a ridiculous degree. And it's like, they'll, it's like they're shooting you a, a lot and then they'll call in their assist, which is that guy coming in and shooting you with his rifle and you can't fucking get past it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's like you pretty much just have to like block it and hope you can jump over the shit to get in there and whip their ass. It's it's like it's so frustrating. I've never been so frustrated fighting an AI in a, in a fighting game ever in my whole life, and that includes SNK games. Oh, that's that's saying something. Those games fuck themselves. It's like to uh, the point where like the AI is like it's it's so input reading and cheap. Like I want to say that it's bad. Yeah. Did now are you just playing the base game or do you have access to some of the DLC? No, it's just the base game right now because okay. I, like they have like a special version that had all the the stuff in it. And yeah, I, I was like, I don't know if I want to buy that. I want to just buy the base game and see if I even like it. And I was really tempted because I, I mean, yeah, the story wise, I don't really know much about what's going on with it, but uh, the DLC stuff is actually a cross promotion with Street Fighter. So there's mm-hmm. actually Ryu and Chun Li in the game, and they are Power That's Rangers. Cool. Like they tied it with their comic too. Like in the comic, like uh, I guess the comic is related to. Tommy like taking over the grid or something, and then there's uh, stuff where Ryu and Chun Li are tied into that in, in their universe. They're the defenders with the power coins. It's kind of cool. It's got just like a weird but neat crossover. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, would you recommend trying it? Yeah, uh, like I don't. If you're like a big fighting game fan, like if you're like you're huge, like I don't know. I don't want to say like a a wine sniffer of a fighting game player or some shit. Like, I don't know if you'd like this game because it's kind of simplistic little, mm-hmm. but if you like, if you like fighting games, you like power Rangers, there's some crossover there. You'll pr- you'll probably like it. It's, it's yeah. simple enough to pick up and play mm-hmm. too, that like you could probably get somebody else into it. That's not really a fighting game player. 
Right. I mean, I like to think of myself as a purveyor of, of fighting games, and sometimes the simple ones work out really well. Like, I'm a huge, I was really big into Dragon Ball Fighters, and that game itself and, and a base is actually very simplistic um, because they simplify all the moves and, and sets that people have, but then there's this layer of depth to it after the fact. But um, but yeah, sometimes, this, especially those tag fighters, it plays out pretty well. So, yeah, you know, I'll give it a try. Yeah. It's also on Game Pass, by the way. If anybody's Game Pass subscribers. I already have it. Yeah. Perfect. I already yeah. have it. Yay, Microsoft. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, anything else? No. Andy, you're up. I'm still working my way through Dark Souls Remastered. Uh, I'm, I'm murdering lords. I killed two lords. Now there are two more lords to kill. Um, I play it in handheld mode a lot. I finally... Uh, so while doing that, I finished Berserk. I needed something else, so I started Cowboy Bebop, and now I'm like four episodes from the end of that. And uh, I mentioned I was watching Cowboy Bebop, and my girlfriend thinks that Full Metal Alchemist is better than Cowboy Bebop, and she's wrong. But we started watching it just because, you know, I, I hadn't seen this since high school or whatever, so we started watching Brotherhood. So I've been watching that as well. I guess I just kind of over-animating myself. Uh, oh, full, uh, full Metal Alchemist has been pretty good so far. I when I was younger, I watched the original one some, and I was like, "Yeah, this is cool, I guess. Whatever, who cares?" But now we're watching Brotherhood, which I guess is the good version or whatever. And so far, it's pretty good. And of course, Bebop is Cowboy Bebop. It's like one of the best animes ever made. And uh, watched. Uh, oh, and then watched a movie on uh, Amazon Prime called Anna about some guy who can see people's memories and he's like a detective and it sucks and i don't recommend it so don't watch it (laughs) (laughs) so so hot takes i think i might agree with her that full metal alchemist is better than cowboy bebop and that's saying something because bebop's probably in my top top three for animes i mean as far Uh, as i can tell full metal's got a lot to say about like you know the nature of the soul and death and you know the cost of life and whatever but i'm only eight episodes into it right now and there's like fucking 53 episodes or something so we'll, we'll see yeah. what how i feel after that but can't we be up is just all time like yeah top three we'll 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 come back to it but i will say this uh again yeah definitely give it an open mind and a chance because brotherhood hits a lot on a lot more beats than i thought were more resonant um than the original which both are fine but I've watched through Brotherhood uh, now, and I would actually say as a parent, I know this is a cliched thing to say, but as a parent, I, I actually relate a lot more to Brotherhood now hmm. than I did when I watched it when I wasn't. And it's, it seems very dumb, but it does actually change your viewpoint. So um, I think that's why I like it more. Um, but yeah, anyway, hopefully you end up liking it at least. Uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like not to get too heavy or anything, but there's like, like I think there are life events that can occur to you, like you know losing a, a loved one or a parent, or mm-hmm. like going through a, a major breakup, or probably getting married or having a kid or something. It really does change the way that you look at stories. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, there is uh, there are a couple of episodes in that show that really got to me. Hey, Danny and I, our a friend of ours, uh, we spoke about uh this uh not too long ago so when we went to uh magfest and we spoke about how uh certain uh elements of that show were very different when you're you're a a parent and yeah there were there were some moments in this movie or this show that i like i was actively just weeping like it's rough 
Um, but it's good. It's emotional. I mean, it's very gripping. So, yeah, hopefully you enjoy the ride. I may, maybe not change your mind. I mean, Bebop's still up there, so it's kind of hard. But. Yeah, it's it's going to have a really rough time dethroning Cowboy Bebop, but that doesn't mean I can't love it. Yeah. Other than that, anything else? No, it's just it's been... Every spare moment I get, I try to run around Dark Souls and at least, like, grind out some souls. Or if I have time, actually get some real work done. Nice. Quick question for you. How, how many tries did it take to get the bed of chaos? Uh, well, it's got the, the three weak points. I got the first one right off the bat, and then the second one nice. took like eight fucking tries. <laughs> and then when I finally got the second one, I immediately got the third one on that same life. What? You got another first try? <laughs> and, uh-huh. like, and the third one's the hard one. So I was like, oh, man, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, the second one took forever. Of course, the run Did you back feel like you had... Oh, God, sorry. The run back to that boss is like... Oh, it's such a bitch. goddamn ordeal. <laughs> they couldn't put a bonfire a little closer to that boss fight. Come on. It's, I even have to sort that open. Did you feel like you had like the biggest dick on earth when you got it the first try? And you're like, yeah! It is really it. cool when you when you jump when you jump the gap and you get on that route and you go in there and you slay him. You're like, yeah, motherfucker! I'm sick of this shit! And you're like, it's, it's, it's really satisfying. <laughs> it, 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 is a, it is a very satisfying, like, I have dealt with your bullshit all day. And you finally mm-hmm. finally get that punch to the face. Yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it's like watching a child grow up. <laughs> All right, Chaz, what have what you, what you been watching, playing, or doing? Um, Nothing nothing too too different, uh, except for one special outing I had. Uh, still deep in Elden Ring. I, I just looked earlier, and I'm now about 86 hours in, and oh. I have officially finished the map. Like I, I, Part of the game is getting all the map fragments. I've been to every area at least once. Um, I'm I'm almost done with the game. I'm pretty close. I, I would say by the next time that we meet, I I will be able to say I have become the Elden Ring or Elden Lord or whatever. I've been is, hearing that but... from a lot of people. A lot of people keep saying, "Oh, I think I'm about to beat Elden Ring. I think I'm about to beat it." I I don't know. It might swerve you guys. I mean, anything short of me not having the time, I'm I feel like I'm close. I I feel like I'm there. A lot of places are uh, like a lot of reviews I'd read have said like if you're really putting the time in to get everything, it's somewhere between that eighty to hundred yeah. hour mark, depending on all the side stuff. So. I think I'm close because I've, I've, I don't have much left to explore. Um, aside from that, uh, uh, I, my brother came in. We went and visited family. Um, but before we did, we we had a fun time of uh, drinks and we played a little bit of rock band and we played some fighting games. Uh, one of the things that was funny that Zach brought up, he brought up Power Rangers. We actually I did a throwback. We played the uh, Power Rangers fighting game on Sega Genesis. That was a, a trip back. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Whoa, boy, what a terrible game! Uh, but just a, a good nostalgic blast. Like fu- like functionally, it's 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 rough. Um, it's pretty simplistic. It's like yeah, yeah. It's very it's very rough around the edges. But it was fun and it, it was nostalgic. We we did that. We played uh, some Tekken three, which uh, oh. he and I were both fans of. Played some Bloody Roar two, which if you never played that, that's I would definitely recommend that. You talk about like very edgy late 90s 3d arena fighters oh man very furry like, yeah very furry cream <laughs> of the crop in, in the furry world but uh that was that was a lot of fun uh so yeah i did that um as far as uh watching um uh, movies and stuff nothing nothing like i was specifically looking for i get this weird habit of before i go to bed i'll turn on uh, I like, churn through all like the DC animated films that are on in HBO. 
which becomes a really bad problem because I'll watch half of it, then fall asleep, then I think I dream the other half. So I think I've watched Superman die like three or four times. Um, it's starting to get to me uh, emotionally. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm really over it now. And I'm like, just fucking stay dead, you idiot. Uh, but uh, yeah, other, other than that, nothing specifically. Um, I, I mean, I did wake up one morning and, and my whole world was turned upside down over over a stupid Oscar but we'll talk about that later uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got. All right. Moment we've all been waiting for. Andy, <laughs> you you're, you said you've been very vocal about this movie, so I'm going to let you... I mean, I let you take away, you know, most of Bond, but I, I want you to start off first. So die another right. day. Um, uh in the early 2000s decided to make another Bond movie and then they dropped every ball and they made a terrible movie at the end. <laughs> Again, I, I, uh, I very much wear my opinion of this movie on my sleeve. And that's not to say it's not without merit. There's some good stuff going on here. But um, I don't know as much about the backstory to like where the story came from because, you know, there's that whole little Barbara Broccoli saw something about oil on the news. She said, let's make a movie about the oil. Obviously, um, paranoia about North Korea has has gone up and up and up since basically the 2000s and it's it's probably it's probably worse now than it's ever well i don't know if it's worse now than it's ever been but that doesn't matter so uh, they found a new soviet union's gone we got to find new bad guys hence you know fake news oil people assassins whatever so now it's north koreans and uh with that they i don't this is the 20th bond movie and they wanted to do something where they pay homage to all the other Bond movies. And so there's a singular, at least one singular reference to every other Bond movie in this movie. And a lot of them are all clustered in that Q scene, because in the background you see, like, the little gyrocopter, and you see the stupid little alligator, and you see uh, the jetpack. And, you know, there's there's a bunch of stuff in the background of just that one scene that references a lot of other movies. But every movie has a reference written into the script somewhere, which... Part of me really likes, you know, because I, I love James Bond movies and I love, you know, paying tribute to all those other movies and everything. Um, But I wonder if, like, the screenwriter wasn't, like, trying to write a good story and like, no, 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 you have to reference all this other stuff. You have to work it in. And that's maybe why that key scene is so overladen with, like, you know, like the, the, the shoes with the blades on them weren't even a Q branch thing. That's uh Cleb wore those at the end of um From Russia With Love, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that wasn't even like a, a MI six thing, but uh, whatever. It doesn't it doesn't matter too much. Um, I guess as usual, we can just start with the story. It's a uh, Bond gets captured in North Korea and is a prisoner of war for thirteen months, and then he's let out because the top American agent in north korea is discovered and they think it's because bond has given up the information but it turns out someone inside mi6 is feeding information to the north koreans someone has betrayed them and that's the catalyst for the whole story is bond needs to figure out who in mi6 set him up and you know got all these other people killed who's given away all this other information and then along the way that kind of gets lost and it becomes about a bunch of other stuff <laughs> it becomes about uh um, this rich jerk. What's Graves, right? Yeah. What's his name? Gustav. Gustav Graves. Kind of becomes about him, and it's starting to look like he's involved somehow. And uh, adrenaline junkie. 
Yeah, he's like, he's, oh, I never sleep. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's, I'll Anything? sleep when I'm dead. What's the point? Uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, and it does come back around on it, and I'll just say it. One of the things I hate the most about this movie is he's trying to figure out who is betraying MI6. And I don't know about you guys, but most of the people I've talked to agree with me on this. You figure out the twist, like, right off the bat. Like, yep. as soon as it's revealed that she's an MI6 agent, like, either either the scene where she's talking to him or, like, the next scene or two. So, oh, well, she's, she's got to be the one. There's no other character in this movie who could possibly be giving up state secrets to the North Koreans. It's got to be her. And then the scene where James Bond has it told to him by the villain, I always just put my head in my hands and scream because there's no way he's that fucking stupid. (laughs) It's just so annoying that he didn't figure that out. I hate it to death. And that's not the only thing I hate about this movie. But, um, you know, that's most of the plot. Who betrayed us? Oh, it's this blonde chick. And also Halle Berry's there for a while. Hey, don't forget the spooky juju sci-fi Captain Ginyu body swap nonsense. Let's let's not forget that. Yeah, uh, DNA transplants, which I I guess like they like kill off the bone marrow and replace it. I guess that's like partially based in science fact. Not, it's like it's as close to that as if you were to try to do six degrees uh, of separation with Kevin Bacon to like the most recent person who won the gold and the, the special Olympics. Like that's about how close it is to what actual <laughs> science is. It's so many circles away from actually anything relevantly close. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it doesn't make, they might as well have just made it like there's a giant laser beam and it magically makes us swap bodies. Right. Like, Freaking yeah. Friday is more accurate. Like, <laughs> it, really se- it really seemed like going too far. Like it could have just been plastic surgery or something like that. Plastic surgery and like speech therapy. Is all they needed, and I think they even touch on that in another in another Bond movie, which I don't know if that's supposed to be the reference to that movie in this or whatever, but maybe it is. Yeah. I but it's completely ridiculous. It's 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 absolutely crazy. I, yeah. I'll give this to them though. It's kind of cool that the thug in this movie is a North Korean guy with literal diamonds, conflict diamonds stuck in his face. And his eyes are all fucked up and blue. He looks yeah, crazy. Yeah, because they were like halfway into making in some like white German guy, I guess. And so now he's like fucked up looking and he's got diamonds. In his face. You think the first thing they would do is, okay, let's get these diamonds out of your face. <laughs> that would have to be the first no, thing, right? There, he keeps them for like almost two years. Yeah, because he wants to fucking, he wants Bond to see his diamond face when he it fucking does, kills him. It does look cool, but there's just no reason for it. Diamond it would have been cooler to find out that he's going. actually a cyborg with like diamond plated like metal or something underneath. It would have fit right in with the rest of the stupid movie. Glacier. I absolutely would have. Glacier. <laughs> Glacier. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I, I want to talk about Halle Berry's character. Wow, she's, why? Because she sucks. Um and okay. I, I actually thought about this and I'm like the only good movie that I actually enjoyed her being in was swordfish and yeah, are you gonna be cliche be... and say why no i just okay so she... I, I just enjoyed her in that movie all the other movies I'll like be... I, I i think about like x-men she's storm i mean i i don't know i i'm she's like one of those actresses that really got by on her looks because it's like 
you think about it, like she was bad in this movie. Like yeah. she she wasn't any good. Yeah, and, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to remember what I like her in. Like I, I do like her in Swordfish. I, I think she's Ball. pretty good at Storm. Good Monsters right? Ball. You don't like Monsters Ball? Critically acclaimed. I didn't see it. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. Watch it. It's really good. It's also, you also, I mean, you get the <laughs> the like the other perk of there is some nudity, but that's not the reason to watch it. It's actually a pretty well acted movie. It's probably one of her I, best movies. I like to watch pre CGI clusterfucks like this. This is what I like to watch. But, oh, but, really? Yeah. But Moto CGI. <laughs> but my yeah, there's way too much CGI in this movie, and yes. it all looks like complete shit. Yes. Oh boy, we'll get to that. Especially later on. Oh my god, I couldn't believe they kept that. But my, there, there is one scene. I know exactly what you're talking about. But my point on Halle Berry, I like. I thought about this. I'm like, after Swordfish, and I heard about she was good in Monsters Ball, but after that. She's been in shit movies. I mean, one of them, uh, of you know, getting an award for being the most shitty movie of all time is Catwoman. And I'm like, this is during around the same time. I'm like, I was like, I thought she was yeah, dumb. Catwoman the- was right after this. Yeah, I was like, I she's not good at, at acting at all. And like the the chemistry between her and Pierce Brosnan, I was like, mm. I di- I didn't buy it at all. Like all the no, other, it's not very natural. Uh, I- I lay part of that at the feet of the writers because her character is just stupid. horrible. It's just stupid. Oh, yeah. And if it, like, here's another thing that just, oh my god, oh, I shouldn't have drank. Another thing that pisses <laughs> me off about this movie is they wanted they they wrote that character into the movie very specifically. Halle Berry's character, an NSA agent named Jinx, was formulated and written this movie very specifically because they wanted the chance of a spinoff starring her. And then they were going to turn that into a side franchise. They were going to like make a bond movie universe. And Jinx was supposed to be the beginning of it. Yeah. Ah, It just blew my mind. It's so fucking stupid. I hate it. The irony, the irony that they named her Jinx and it ended up being where Mm -hmm. the, the series had to take a completely different turn because of how bad like this movie was all right like commercially we're gonna isolate just the pierce brosnan movies not the other bond movies right every bond woman even in uh the world is not enough had a purpose i tried to think what halle berry's or jinx purpose in this besides her being a cia agent uh and NSA. nsa agent and like causing a few explosions and like following the possibility that graves is moon um and like she gets trapped into the ice room <laughs> whatever that is and she's about to drown other than that like at least natalia she was like a hacker um and she had a purpose in the film somehow uh where she helped bond she didn't really help bond that uh jinx didn't help bond that much in this at all no like the, the, there's a few like kind of it makes a few scenes a little more interesting having her there like um when they're getting out of the stupid clinic in Havana and you know she's she like dives and they're like hold her go it's kind of funny and interesting in a way like not in a it's way cool. that you need it it's it's okay but no she really is put in this movie just so that people would like her and they could spin it off they they talked to her and michael michael madison was supposed to come on for the eventual sequels too and he was just going to be her m and he was going to squint all the time and like be an asshole i guess i don't know <laughs> michael madison was being michael madison <laughs> the whole movie I that's just what my, michael madison does he just always looks up at you and he squints a lot he's like i was in quentin tarantino movies that's why you know who i am 
You better do something about your guy. Let me go light a cigarette. I just sucked a lemon. <laughs> that said, I do love Michael Manson. Right. Just, you know, <laughs> here we are. Might as well make fun of him. <laughs> His character's name in this movie is Damien Falco. I know. It's such like a fucking awesome awesome Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matches Malone? What? <laughs> Uh man, but yeah, that uh, Holly Berry not a great Bond girl. Um, by the way, she moves her fucking hips so much when she gets out of the water, it's crazy. I thought well, yeah. she, I thought she was gonna cause an earthquake with those hips because it was going crazy and uh, she got out of the water. It's I, such I, a shame. I, I really, th- I really wish they'd have written a better character for her because I. I, I think their chemistry is off, but if they'd have done something else with her, like make her a bad guy or something, like I think she's a decent enough actress to be in a James Bond movie. And let's face it, she's gorgeous. So I don't it's, it's what a shame. What what a fucking horrible role for her. Yeah. Another thing I want to bring up that like kind of caught me off guard, uh, and then like got me thinking because <laughs> the scene with the uh I'm just gonna call him Glacier. Uh, when Glacier is like getting his face changed or whatever, or he was like getting scanned with his mask, like yeah. Bond, Bond looked at the thing and like, oh, he's becoming a white man, and then, then he like, then it like shoots to the scene where uh, Miranda Frost is uh, like reporters are around her, like, where is you guys late? And he's like, no, he he's actually on time, and he comes out of the the parachute, uh, which I rolled my eyes because how many times did we see a parachute scene with the the Great Britain flag, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And well, that's that's one of the references. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's Gustav Graves. That's where he had that cheesy one-liners, like everything that the reporter is saying. That's why that you know, fencing. What's the point, huh? And then he uh, gets into the car, but like that drew me off guard. I'm like, who are these people? And then eventually, you know, you, you hear about Harvard, and then I'm like, wait, did I, I heard Harvard? That was in the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, I I'm piecing it there already. He's from Harvard. We just saw the scene with Glacier getting turning into a white man. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gustav Graves is <laughs> fucking Colonel Moon who fell in the ocean. I can't remember who's seeing this movie for the first time. Uh, I've seen hey. this movie. No, no, I, I have seen it before, but it's been like since uh, 2002, so I may as well be seeing it new again. Okay. Yeah, this is actually the movie I think about uh, aside from Goldeneye when I watch uh any of the Pierce Brosnan movies so uh for a couple of reasons but uh not necessarily any good ones. Uh yeah. I, I don't hey. know. It's it was it was something. I like hey I'm gonna say Pierce Brosnan movies have like a streak for having like really awesome intros. Gigas movie was fucking awesome too. What? No, no. you tell me why when no, no. they're surfing yeah, it was this fucking awesome. They surfed in there. We didn't Stupid. I hate it. Stupid. Why I hated it? the beginning. Absolutely no. Awful. Tell me why. Because they're surfing. Why? Really? Yeah. None of the other dumb shit that happens to James Bond, like that's okay, but this one time where they surf, it's too dumb. Too dumb. It's, it's James why Bond. This isn't fucking that point breaks. Yeah. And then later he like surfs again, like at, off of the. Sean Connery got movie. away in a, in a fucking jetpack that, that also showed up in this fucking movie, and that was acceptable. 
Yep. The surfing. Yeah. Surfing's where you draw the line. That makes more sense to me. The, the, yeah, jetpack like is... a tactical advantage to being able to fly vertically from any location. There's no tactical advantage there's to there's surfing. Very soft. Just swim in. Just, just have three frogmen come in. They could just, just swim. That's, yeah, that's, surfing's you know, like the tactical. real military does. It's Yeah, surfing's for fun. It's There's no, no advantage yeah. to surfing. I do it because it's, it's, it's only there so they can establish. Oh, James Bond knows how to surf. Don't worry about it. So oh. later, when there's that that ugly CG scene where he's like surfing away from the satellite, you can be like, "Oh, he knows how to surf." This makes sense. Also, I find I find a huge plot logic in the beginning of the movie because just thinking about they're playing trying to play along with the whole uh, fear of North Korea. Again, you think about the time frame when this movie is being made. There's a lot of phobia of of anything from the east especially in America, because 9-11 happened probably during the production of some of this movie, and so yes. it may have tilted or the, changed things. The last the Korea picked up as well as far as, like, oh, was it Kim Jong-un uh, or Kim Jong-il? It's Kim Jong-il um, at this time. Yeah, yeah, Kim Jong-il, was. Uh, there were some issues and concerns about uh, some of the, the uh, potential for them to try to reinvade South Korea, um, and there, there's a lot of fear there, but my 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 concern or complaint, I guess, is he is a captive uh, prisoner for 14 months and he comes out effectively unscathed. Yeah, he should either like be super strong and he, he should swim be through Hong Kong dead. Bay. <laughs> he should be dead. And they even talk about it later. Oh, it looks like all oh, your body just dealt with all the things they gave you, whatever. And which is Livers bullshit. Like up. he's not missing any fingers. He's not missing any toes. Uh, I mean, like he should be like a shell of himself, or if not dead, like the straight up should be dead. Like, There's an easier way to world. handle that too. He could have been a prisoner for a long time. They trade him back, and then you get like a three months later, and it's like he's behind that stupid glass, and he's like doing pull ups or some dumb shit, and then comes in and talks to him. Because then it's yeah. like, oh, he's had three months to recuperate, and he's like getting his body back in shape. Like that would make a lot nope. more sense. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to see in. you're recovering well, 007. Here's, blah, 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 blah. here's my... I don't have a problem with the surfing scene. I was like, ah, this is just James Bond tomfoolery. Uh, Bond silliness. Yeah, so I was like, all right, whatever. What really got me is, like, Bond is there. He's, like, talking to Moon and Glacier. Uh, and, like, he's about to do the whole bomb suitcase diamonds thing. And then, like, Moon's like, let me show you my fucking cool equipment and comes like hovercrafts and shit <laughs> i just start like laughing my ass off he's like i got machine guns flamethrowers and here's a tank buster <laughs> all right uh i did some i did some extra research for this episode um i always assumed and i'll bet you guys assume too that's bullshit uh hovercrafts there's no way that they wouldn't trigger landmines no that's legit that actually could work mm -hmm. so okay whatever I'll let, I'll let them get away with it and 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 back to kind of zach's point about the intro being awesome the surfing stupid as hell the rest of it's awesome the that's intro what I was gonna, movie rips. i was gonna say before you guys fucking ran over me was well, like well the rest talking of about surfing being cool i'm sorry <laughs> surfing is cool what's one break watch blue crush <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you all <laughs> I mean, it's good in those movies. It's not good in Die Another Day. But yeah, the, the whole chase on the hovercrafts and stuff, and he like grabs it, and he's like, "Oh, saved by the bell." Oh, well, like, like the, they, the rest of it's great. I like that. I also like the thing where he poses that guy, the guy that was supposed to give him the shit. Like that, that was cool. And he looks, he looks like him enough that he could pass as him. Right. It's cool. I also like that he. I mean, you guys, you're talking about how like, oh, he got out of the torture, like whatever. He was relatively okay. I like that he got he 
just shows him getting fucking captured and defeated like in the beginning of the movie and getting fucked up. I was like, yeah, they, they humanize you know? him a bit, yeah. No, I mean, okay, him being captured is fine. It's just the logic of like what would actually happen if someone were captured know. in that situation. Well, he, he'd I don't be like malnourished and that. broken like, ribs and bones and stuff. He should yeah. be near death and he should be having like multiple injuries. He should, he's probably going to be missing digits. Like well, it's well, very common practice and torture. To, I get like, what you're, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying, but I feel like you're applying the Daniel Craig tone to these movies. And that's not what these movies are. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm applying, applying actual logic to the movie. You but apply, you apply actual yeah, logic to the series. If I did that, then he wouldn't have come in on a surfboard. Yeah, I mean, like, again, there's like some weird like contrivances to, to the fine. Bond formula. Maybe this is one of them. Like you can't you can't have a malnourished, defeated Bond. Like it's got to be you know something. Don't worry. Different. the The fact that logic was thrown out the window at the beginning is good because I the 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 train went way off the tracks as we go through this movie. It gets worse. We're trying to keep up with logic. Well, yeah, so I mean, it's okay. All right, let's let's start building. Let's start building the pyramid that is this movie. Um, the upside down pyramid. Oh, hold on, but we I don't. Can we talk yeah, about? We'll the, start the intro. Let's. Can fine. we talk about the? We, we've talked about it. Can we talk about the the music intro? Because to in my oh, yeah, hot take, right. uh, oh my god, it was so I think good. it might have been the best I part just, of the movie. Yeah. It, was, it was so good. It might have been the best part of the movie. I actually was humming it today, and I was mad at myself. <laughs> It, it stuck in my head, like, no joke, actually. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Today I was sitting there, like, mm, 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 mm. so I was walking to work and I was I'm like, really I upset. Day, another day. <laughs> so, I, I kind of felt like dying today, so yeah, I was, <laughs> I was okay with that. And I know Dubs hates it, so again, I did a little research. They did, they did a survey in um, 2000 and something. I can't remember. They were like at least one, if not two, Daniel Craig movies in. And they did a survey in Great Britain of the most popular of all time James Bond themes. This one was number nine, and it ranked number one in a surveyor's age 24 and under. <laughs> <laughs> and this is after that Chris Cornell song was out. It's like fucking Great Britain, get it together. <laughs> oh, damn. So, I'm sorry. No, the, the, legitimately, the next, the next I don't like the best it. Theme. I don't like it. So I... Uh... No, it actually does suck. I, I, oh, it's terrible. I skipped it, but like, I was at a point where I was like, "Wait a second, did I Mandela affect this?" Like, because it starts off slow, like a James Bond actual, like they trick you. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes sort bam, of. Bam, bam, I think I die, and I was like, "Fuck this shit." <laughs> you know, while we're here, I want to talk about something else. Um, this movie sucks dick. From the first half a second, and I and I'll tell you why. Because at the, beginning, at the beginning, you get like the you know the the gun barrel that's like tracking Bond, and he's like walking. And he goes, ah. and they start with the the you know the the traditional. It's just a guitar going ding 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 that thing. But immediately, it's got a bunch of like obnoxious techno, like stupid drum beats overlaid over it. Right away, I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this movie so much. <laughs> like just the very first the very first Casio snare drum that I hear I'm like why are you doing this to me personally spooky assaults me personally yeah <laughs> it, it's definitely trying to to be like oh what what are the kids into these days oh right. the matrix just came out oh let's do this it, oh it definitely feels like that and it's There's, right at the same time frame it really feels like someone wrote the score to this movie and then someone else wrote all the techno horse shit that goes over it. That's what it feels like to me. 
there was also a bunch of random slow motion for no reason. Yes, the direction. I fucking hate it. It's not just slow motion. It also does that thing. um, It's hard to describe, but it's like the camera starts at a normal pace and then goes really fast and then slows back down to the normal Mm -hmm. pace. Like to show you, like panning across a room. I hate that stuff. I hate it. It it seems like something from like, you know, a terrible gas station uh, DVD bin movie would have in it. Like, it's just so hacky. Um, It's it's not something that's going to ruin the movie, but it's another small detail on this like huge mountain of garbage that is. It's hard to, it's hard to enjoy a movie when your balls hurt because you see something like that and you're like, Oh God. (laughs) Like, and again, what is it trying to rip off? It's trying to do like, Oh, let's do something really cool with with our effects and our camera angles. That looks like the matrix. Mm -hmm. That's, so it, the slow motion thing got me, and I'm like, "Oh, that's hacky as hell." It's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cackling, but like, I've got the Wikipedia page pulled up for the, the movie, uh-huh. and there's just a picture on it under production that says "surfers," and it just shows the guy surfers. surfing. Yeah, just the guy surfing. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's making my argument for me. Surfers, servers. Um. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, how the skeleton that makes up the plot of this movie is actually pretty cool. They start... I, I, now, the surfers suck, but right after that, the movie's actually pretty cool. Uh, Madonna soundtrack... Uh, Madonna track notwithstanding. The movie's pretty cool. There's that really cool chase scene at the beginning. And then you sit through the music. And then it's like he has to escape. You know, M's pissed at him. He has to escape MI6. Where am I? Oh, I'm in fucking Hong Kong, I guess. He goes to this hotel, and they're, like, going to film him, like, boning some girl. Another Bond movie reference. That's one of them. They're going to film him, but he knows this time, and he, like, throws the thing, and he sees them. And, like, he's doing, like, some cool spy shit. And then, like, the Chinese special services, like, pay to send him to Havana because they also want Zhao dead. And so he goes to Cuba. This is some more cool spy shit. And he's, like, actually doing some spy nonsense. And the movie's pretty decent. At first, because he's like yeah. looking for a mole in MI6, and they trick you. You're like, wait a minute, this movie's not as bad as I remember. I think this might actually be a pretty cool movie. And then Halle Berry comes out of the water, and you're like, wow, oh my god, she looks so amazing. I, I you know. And then, and then she, and and then the dialogue between her and Bond starts, and it's straight downhill from there. That's the moment I can pinpoint the moment this movie gets bad. It's when Halle Berry and Bond first speak to each other. It's yeah. true. And she mentions being a, looking for predators. The moment the word predator said, it's like, oh God, my heart. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, it's a lovely view. And he's like talking about her. And he's like, you should have a mojito. And I'm like, I would like one too. And she's like, oh, I guess you're going to be busy with owls. And he's like, oh, there's no owls around here. We're just going to, I don't know, some innuendo. I can't remember what he says. Oh, but well, yeah. He, he he studies birds, which again yeah. is a reference because he's calling her a bird. She's a pretty woman. He's saying he's an ornithologist. It's actually like it's kind of weird. I don't want to give it credit because it's it's bad, but within there there are little little slivers, like little diamonds in the turd that is the glacier. Little diamonds in the face. The conversation. <laughs> yeah, diamonds <laughs> in the face of glacier. Yeah. They would have toned it down a little bit and But I, I, I really know. like that whole scene where he goes to a sleeper agent like some guy who's just been implanted in cuba for 30 fucking years and like says the the phrase and like talks to him and oh can i borrow these you know binoculars and a gun 
it's like a fun spy movie for just a little bit, and then it, and then it gets bad. I do I yeah. do want to bring up uh, when he's like escaping M and all that stuff. It felt very uh, underwhelming because like he's uh, he's literally under arrest, right? He breaks out. And he's just, yeah, no, yeah, he's, 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 he's in custody. He's strolling around like, I mean, I know he's a spy, so I'm pretty sure he knows all the routes. But like, he's like laxy daisy, just opening, uh, getting a key, opening a door to some like, I don't know, medieval church, which is where he gets all his gadgets from Q. Um, but like, you would think like the UK government would be on high alert, and possibly the United States, because you know Michael Madison doesn't like him that much. That like, um you know, they would put more of a search, but they're just like, no, we kind of agree with you, Mr. Bond. There is a mall and we don't believe it's you anymore. So you're off the hook. Like they do some subtle dialogue. Like we still kind of don't trust you, but I I really don't see, you know, you being a problem. And it's kind of like off the record kind of thing. That's why we're in the tunnel. And all yeah. That, that, that part's cool too. Yeah. Uh, I'll give the movie some credit. I really like where he first steps in there and him standing there. That's cool. That's a cool scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, God damn it, John Cleese just has so much fucking charisma. I can't hate the scene that he's in. <laughs> yeah, he was good too. Um, he actually, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Zach. I know we've been <laughs> interrupting you throughout the whole show. Um, but like Q, um, he the way he says things it, it actually makes me think that he actually despises james bond like the other q kind of like oh, i i hate you ruining my gadgets but you know you're kind of cool anyway john- it always felt like it felt like there was like kind of a love there sort yeah. of yeah john cleese is like i fucking hate you can you please well, I, th- I think they wanted to develop something i think as the movies went by it was supposed to be like he's he's warming up to him but i'd never seen the Dan- daniel craig movies is john cleese in there as q no, oh, they don't no. even start with a Q. No. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. oh well. Oh well. Missed opportunity. Different tone though. They're going for a different tone. Yeah, there's. It's um. Ah, we'll, we'll just we'll 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 cross the bridge when we get to it. They they try to remix the the Q trope in those movies eventually. And it works on one level, and it doesn't work on another level. But honestly, if you would transplant the traditional cue into uh, the Daniel Craig movies, it would be really jarring. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It's hard to say what you're going to do with it. They uh, after this movie, they also lose Samantha Bond as Money Penny, but they keep him. Yeah, I do know. There's like an actual like crazy shit that happens with M in the Daniel Craig movies but like I'm I have Skyfall by the way I bought that shit on Blu-ray I never watched it so everything I'm going into and Daniel Craig when we eventually get to it I'm going in into blind so you're gonna same get, here totally blind yeah so that's oh, exciting. I wish I could say that yeah I've watched all of them so that'd be exciting to see what you think first time I wish I could see Skyfall again for the first time that would be wonderful <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that too because that's a that's a great movie. Uh, we're right. there, though. But we're talking about this movie and Let's how talk about this. ridiculous <laughs> it is that there's no no less than two VR scenes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> As Dubs had pointed out, the Matrix had just come out. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, I'll admit the second one did get me. I, I, it was I laughed at it mm, because I was just like, oh. <laughs> "What the fuck is happening?" And then it's kind <laughs> the of money funny. penny one. Yeah, because yeah, you're funny. like, "What the fuck is?" I don't even know what's going on. I, I almost felt like the first one existed for the sake of actually making the second one like not completely out of left field. Because someone just thought it would be funny to have that scene. They're like, "Well, how are we going to include this? Well, we got to have this type of." you know, AR VR type of situation in the movie elsewhere. I just added in. This will be funny to have. Um I I I've only seen this movie once in theaters, uh Die Another Day. Uh I every time when I watch Jane uh Pierce Brosnan, I always watch Goldeneye or Die in, uh you know the second one. I always Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow I always I always dies. mix up all the words uh of these movies by the way. They're all kind of like that same kind of. I, I, it's hard to describe, but th- except for Goldeneye, they all do kind of have the same mm-hmm. rhythm to them or something. I, a different feel. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. So usually but they, they do seem same. Usually I fall into those two because those are my favorite. Uh, wink, wink for ranking later. Um, but like <laughs> when I first saw the VR scene, I. I was gonna message you guys like no money penny, but then I, like I found out like oh that was just a VR thing, a Q thing, and then like when the money penny thing, I'm like oh this is so fake, like they're actually about the fuck it never happens in the, in the thing, mm-hmm. so I was like God, yeah, it's probably she has the glasses on and I was you know right, but yeah th- those are funny. The Brosnan movies couldn't really decide what tone they were supposed to take with money penny to bond because in the first one she's just like. Well, I'm not interested in you all. I have a date later, bitch. And like, like, please. So, and then buy this one. And they're right back to where they started. Mm-hmm. Um, would you think of the whole uh, of fencing into like a sword fight, like they were about to kill each other until uh, you know, more more like, credit, yeah. more credit where it's due. That's kind of a cool fight. Yeah, a cool I, fight scene. I liked it. Uh, that's probably. One of the highlights of this movie, where I was like, oh, you know what, I liked it. I think, like, like I said, it's downhill from that one point. I think this is the last peak before it's mostly valleys. The uh, ice palace is where it just totally crashes. Everything in the mm-hmm. ice palace sucks. Everything with all the stupid science nonsense sucks. I kind of like the chase with the jaguar and Aston Martin. It's yeah. interesting. It's cool. It's not like amazing, worth seeing the movie for. But eh, it's it's fun to watch, and and there's both of those cars are really cool, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, that was like the premiere of the that Aston Martin, right? That's right. the the so. V8, I think, or or is that the it V4? Sure was. They had a deal. Yeah, yeah I remember deal. seeing that, and I I still have it set in my own head. Like I always thought to myself, if I ever have the chance, it's on my like dream list to have an Aston Martin because in my head, that's what I list is like I want that car, and it's because of this movie. So I do have that nostalgia to go for this, despite everything yeah. about this movie. Like there are two things I like: it's that car, and I'm skipping ahead. But the weapon, even though it's a, it's a stupid thing, the Project Icarus thing and the <laughs> beam, I thought, man, that'd be really cool in a video game. And we'll, look at that! A couple of years later, we get the hammer of fucking dawn in mm-hmm. Gears of War. And it's like the greatest weapon ever. So I do and a satellite coming that. down from or a, a laser coming down from space. They did that in fucking Goldeneye. Oh, it's that true. Was... It's true. But it just having and that's the other thing. It kind of makes it kind of weak in this movie. But I I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, oh well, that's that's kind of cool. Now again, me, I squirrel brain as a kid, I didn't associate it with Goldeneye then either. I didn't think about the 
you know, how it related. I just remember seeing it as a teenager and thinking, oh, that's kind of neat. But I remember the Hammer of Dawn just being kind of cool. So I, I, I see it, I think of that. I'm like, oh, the, ha- the Hammer of Dawn rules, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that weapon. The first time you get to use that in the first Gears of War is fantastic. So I just seeing it here, and it's like, oh, that's that's kind of neat. I wonder if that had any like association or. I always I think know. of the the ion cannon from Command and Conquer. That was my first uh, yeah. laser cannon from the from space orbit shit. And it kind of predates all this stuff. Well, Akira came out in 1988, and it did that. So it, I don't even remember that. Yeah, I remember you know. he's uh, he's fighting Canada, and the military starts using the thing. At first, it's just like a big blue beam of light, and he's like, "What the fuck's going on?" And there's like some rocks floating and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to yeah. watch Akira. I never seen that. Oh well, I ruined don't a little that. tiny bit of it, but it's uh, great. I don't care about spoilers. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I here's my problem with Bond films when they tried to reveal their master plan i kind of just have a brain fart and totally don't care what they want because all of it's leading to uh you know i want to take over the world or i want to cripple an economy or something or a country um so like the icarus thing what was his main plan with that was it wanted to invade and conquer south korea and eventually japan that's what north korea has always wanted to do i thought what he was doing (laughs) I thought he was like cutting off the country like in half. Oh, like slicing it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to separate forever. Well, South Korea would love that. They could probably get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, he want he wanted to use it as a means to destroy because uh, yeah they 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 don't want it to be separate. They want it to be one, just ruled under North Korea. Well, it's carving it's carving a invasion path through the demilitarized zone, which is full of landmines and shit. Mm-hmm. So it just blows up all the landmines, and then the invading forces can just roll right on through. Yeah, the ice palace uh, when the car chase scene, um, I liked it, but then logic came to me, and I'm like, I know they're villains and everything, but they kind of like have the same equip car that James Bond has. And- no, no, that's that does make this does make sense. That one, that car is Miranda Frost's car. That's why uh-huh. it's dumb in my six car. Okay, okay, that makes sense then. It's easy, it's easy to miss. Yeah, I, I don't think I realized it until I'd seen the movie a couple times. Another flaw I want to be with that car because there's always problems, right? I, there's human error. There's computer error. The the whole Gatling gun that's like in the back of his car. I'm like, if that shit like disables somehow and like it hits a bump and like the the gun points down, that he's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought the whole time. I'm like, he's going to hit a bump really hard and he's going to get shredded by all the bullets to the back of the head. He's going to get John F. Kennedy <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so like that's, I, I, I liked it. It was cool. Um, it was cool to see that shit, like with the missiles and everything. I liked the, how it started. Like he, James Bond is like trying to like covert, like stealthily get out of there. But like some idiot on the, Get, uh, the ski uh, machine like hits into him. It's kind of funny. And then Glacier's like, funny. Glacier's like, oh fuck, like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the other, the other like chase related thing with he's like in like the bullet type of car. Yeah, not not so much that I want to talk about any other like scenes individually, but I uh, like separate things. I want to talk about the one scene that like it just made me audibly groan out loud when they definitely tried to do like the CGI and like it, it's very clear that it's a model where 
like the bullet car is like going over the slope and it falls off like the edge of the like the pave where um he like the laser cut in i guess it's going off like the iceberg or whatever and it's like hanging by the string and you can very clearly tell it's it's a toy model i don't know if you guys watched it in uhd or not but if you watch it in that you can definitely tell that it's a model um it made me think of uh, have you all watched ant-man or any yeah. of the Ant-Man yes. films. Yeah, I saw the you know, movie. like yeah. the scene, at the, you know, the scene at the, the end of the first one where they're having like the epic fight, and like while you're in the scope, you're watching them have this epic battle, and then it, oh, it out zooms and way like, out. And the Thomas the Train is just like going like zoom, and it just boop, it just falls over. Mm-hmm. This is this scene made me think of that because it's all this epicness, and then it just shows like a toy car on a string go over like the edge of something and just hang there, and and it's like. Except the problem is, is like they were trying to sell this like it was serious, and it looked probably looked a lot better whenever you didn't have all this definition, and you couldn't tell. But now you clearly can. Um, where the other was supposed to be funny because of the the premise of the movie. So I saw that, and it like hurt my heart. Uh, really, just like ruined the whole thing for me. I don't know if you all agree with it or not, but now the but... movie was was long ruined for me by that point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still trying to give it a chance. I guess seems like people get bothered by different things. He was like, "Oh, the surfing." No, that immediately that it was that. Or in Andy's case, it's like, "No, they fucked up the Bond team. That pissed me off." I want. I was pu- ready. I want to publicly apologize that the the world is not enough. I I I was hard on that movie. <laughs> um, I apologize. Uh, yes, die another That's day. Right. Die another day is on. I told you this would happen. <laughs> He did. Andy definitely said this. And I will say this. I remember what I said last week. I was going to give this movie a chance and try. And damn it, I tried. This movie had no way to save it. I I will also apologize. I was far too harsh. I realized after we finished the last week's episode that I was too harsh knowing what was coming. But now that I've watched this, it was it was definitely it was definitely rough. All right, um, let's talk, let's uh, on that note. I want to talk about some numbers. Uh, this was the highest-grossing James Bond movie. Yes, the worst one out of, out of these four. It was this one. It was one of the highest-grossing movies. Period for a while. It was in yeah. the top thirty. Uh, this movie made uh, more than four hundred million dollars. It made a crazy amount of money for two thousand and two, uh, and. Like I said, it was so successful, and they wanted to make a spinoff based on Halle Berry's character. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't have to say. Like, even if you look back at uh, the critical reception at the time, I don't know if they were watching the same movie I was watching. <laughs> no, because, like, it's weird, because critical reception, it seemed like at first for this movie, it's like, oh, it's all right. It's kind of a, you know, it's a bomb movie. It feels kind of throwbacky, you know, because so, it gets so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I also want to say, I bet a lot of those uh, ticket sales were just from all the goodwill built up over the last three movies. Yeah, 1,000%. It was just like, oh, it's a James Bond movie. How could it miss? Yeah, it's going to be fucking good old fun. Good old fashioned yeah. James Bond fun. Um, geez, the budget, though, is higher like than any of the other movies that I noticed. It's got a high budget and um, also... Uh, I, there's no way you guys are going to remember. Do you remember the trailer for this movie? Because no. it ripped. It was really cool. No, I've never <laughs> it, seen the trailer. It, it featured uh, partially, like, uh, there's that really cool stunt 
where the Aston Martin gets flipped and Bond yeah. opens the roof and hits the ejector seat to flip it right as a missile's going by. Cool. Like that shot is in the trailer and a bunch of other like really cool stuff. And when you see that trailer, you're like, oh, this movie's going to be really cool, bro. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. I didn't even see it. Also, I misspoke. Uh, World is Not Enough had a budget that was just like seven million shy of this. So, ah, okay. yeah. So, I'm going to do something here. I went on IMDb. I'm going to take a review that's from 10 out of 10, and I'm going to take it from 1 out of 10, and I'm going to read so it. So you're going to read an idiot's review and then an intelligent person's yes. review. So this one is yeah, 10 man. out of 10, the coolest Brosnan Bond yet. This is so far, uh, this so far is by far, Jesus Christ, my favorite uh, Bond with Brosnan. It was very entertaining and exciting. The cast did a great job, especially Brosnan and Barry, who is one of the best Bond girls in years. Uh, the the bad guys were good. Stevens did a wonderful job, and the stunts and action will blow you away. I especially like the car chase over the ice when Bond finally uses all the gadgets in his car for a change. The plot involves stuff I won't mention because I don't want to spoil the plot for anyone, but I thought it was good. There's also a lot of tributes in uh, the Bond movies, which uh, from the past, highly recommend. Which is an okay review. It's his opinion, objective opinion, um, but he's wrong. Um, so, <laughs> so let's sounds like a normie opinion. Yeah. So let's do one star, and let's do the. I'll be reading the one I'm reading. <laughs> this is probably going to be like an autism hissy fit. An honest review. This stank. Yes, <laughs> the FX the, the FX were horrible for a Bond movie, especially one in, made in two thousand and two. That is even get, that is isn't even getting to the theme song yet. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Madonna set the record for the all time worst Bond song in history of Bond songs, and she uh, and she set the record for one of the all time worst Bond villains. What? I think you're a little wrong there, buddy. Villains in franchise history. It wasn't Madonna. That yeah, Glacier was <laughs> sick. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really feel like a Bond movie. It feels like a movie that was trying to make a mockery out of Bond movies. Nothing comes hey. together. Everything is just flat out horrible. And in the end, you want to, you want it to be all over. It was honestly the worst than Moonraker. Jesus shit! What the fuck? Uh, part of his review was fine, but like others were just like, I'd rather watch minor Moonraker. counterpoint. There are parts of this movie that are clearly made with like some love for the franchise. Mm. Like, you know, there's yeah, there's that. Some, some parts of this movie are good or fun. It's yeah. it's like weird. It's like. Yeah, it's like the first, I don't know, what do you want to call it, the quarter? I mean, minus the surfing, I guess. <laughs> it's like first quarter, third of this movie is pretty cool. It feels like a Bond movie, and then it's mm-hmm. just fucking... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. The uh, the ending sucked. Um. <laughs> yeah, the ending was like fucking it sucked. I thought it was funny that that Ferrari was sticking out in front of that dude's farm. It's just a fucking Ferrari. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Oh, uh, interesting thing about the ending of this movie. Um. Uh, Chaz had mentioned earlier oldest movies right after 9-11 fact in fact um, originally the the climax of this movie with the satellite going off was written to take place in Manhattan and after 
after September 11th, they're like, oh, okay, let's move that. Let's do that somewhere else. (laughs) Let's do it in Korea. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this movie, I'm kind of glad this was like the last movie, and then uh, there's a change in direction after that. Like, I've heard good things about Daniel Craig. Um, like you guys said, it was it's more grounded and and serious of a bond. Um, so um, that doesn't mean it's not fun sometimes, though. Luckily. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't like this movie. I am totally not recommending this movie. Real quick, before we do recommendations, I wanted to tell everyone one of my favorite pieces of trivia from any Bond movie. Um, after he talks to the the uh, cigar guy. He says, can I borrow these? And he's talking about the monoculars and the, the handgun. But he's also taken that book that's under his arm. The book is Field Guide of Birds of the West Indies. And in real, that book exists in real, that's a real book. It exists in real life. Field Guide of Birds of the West Indies is written by a man named James Bond. It's, uh, Ian Fleming had a copy of that book. And when he wrote Dr. No, or no, when he wrote Casino Royale, he stole the name of his main character from the author of this book about birds. He's oh, actually an ornith- he's actually an ornithologist. Yeah, Ian Fleming was actually very interested in birds, and yeah. he had a copy Whoa. of that book, and he's like, I'm writing this, this agent character. What should I call him? Uh, James Bond, that's a cool name, and just took it from the book. So they put the book in the movie as a weird, like, circular reference to itself. That's like an Inception reference or something. Yeah, I've always really liked that. Like I said, there's parts of this movie that were clearly designed with, like, love for the series and the character. There's people who worked on this movie that clearly, like, wanted it to do well. It's just, like, the CG is trash. A lot of the writing is nonsense. And that theme is terrible. And I I just... I do have a, this scene is like really nothing, but I want to bring it up anyway. I've never drinking a martini before. Um, so when he, when James Bond is on the air in the airplane and he gets that martini, he makes that thing. I ordered a chicken. Yeah. I I didn't get it. Because, because they're on an airplane and she's like, Ah, it's being jostled. Yeah. And not stirred. Okay. Now I get it. Next time you're somewhere or. I'm afraid of no sleep. I ain't afraid of no bed. All right, we we are back. Uh, internet went out, um, uh, and we were about to do recommendations. But you were, what were you saying anyway before the internet crapped out? Oh, I said uh, next time you go somewhere, order a vodka martini. Oh, I will do that. Yeah, <laughs> just, he said not to let them. Don't let them shake it. Like, yeah, just, just get stirred. Uh, also, you're probably gonna hate it, so just <laughs> steal yourself. You might love it though. I don't know. Maybe you like it better with gin, but you know, get it, get it vodka. I think vodka for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, okay. uh, I mean, I, I, no, Chaz, are you recommending or not recommending? <laughs> no, yeah. I. I mean, it, it kind of goes with the the one I watched last. We watched last week. The world's not enough. If you were strictly looking to watch every Bond film for sake of saying you've watched them all. That is the only situation in which I would say to push yourself through this turd sandwich, but this is a bad movie. It's, it just is. So I couldn't recommend it any other way. And and Zach, what about you? Um, can't really recommend this one. Like, even if you're like a really hardcore Bond fan, 
And I hate that, like, this is the last one Pierce Brosnan did. Like, I, I hate that for more than anything. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's don't recommend. Uh, so now we're going to do the. Rank. Well, hang on. Okay. I sort of recommend this movie, and I will explain why. Okay. Oh, boy. I want to hear this. All right. Uh, this is the worst Bond movie, right? Um, but I don't think least... so, but okay. <laughs> okay. I think it is. I think it's the worst one. But it's, out, it's outrageously bad in, uh, in like, kind of an interesting way. It kind of is. After a bunch of the Roger Moore movies, I was like, well, I guess I kind of recommend it. It's not great, blah, 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 blah. And um, uh, Diamonds are Forever. That one's also kind of like, it's okay. It's not great. And, uh, but this one is like, it's almost like Terra bad. Like, it's just so outrageously stupid. And the CGI just looks so outrageously terrible. And again, the first quarter of it has some fun spy shit in it. But it still pales in comparison to nine-tenths of the other Bond movies. So, generally speaking, do not recommend, but don't avoid it. Like, don't be like, I'll never watch that movie. But, you know, you can watch it. It's it's fine. Uh, it has a few moments that you'll enjoy. But I think I think watching it, you'll kind of like learn a little bit about why you like James Bond so much. I really think that'll happen to someone. If, you, if you've seen the other ones and you loved them and you watch this, I think it's going to help put into perspective why you like those other James Bond movies. I think if ev- that's important to you. I think eventually when we do the, 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 you know, the whole Bond movie ranking, uh, when we eventually do that, um, a lot of the Roger Moore films would be near the end. Um, but Die Another Day is above some of the Roger Moore Bond movies, in my opinion. Um, I won't say this is the worst one out of all, um, but... It's my least favorite. But I, I still had somewhat of entertainment um, in this, even though it was stupid. I, I won't say it's like bad like The Room with uh, Tommy Wiseau, where like it's so bad I liked it. But this was, like, bad, but I was like, ah, what the fuck is happening? I need to know more. It's like a train wreck that I needed to watch. Yeah, it's not, like, so bad that I'm going to laugh at it, but it, like, this is a a personal thing, but it is somewhat therapeutic to get drunk and watch this movie. Mm. (laughs) It's not good for my blood pressure, but (laughs) I do. So this movie, to me, is kind of like watching, it's like watching the Joel Schumacher Batman films. It's like watching it's like again if in a very specific setting of if you wanted to drink and like play a drinking game and and like actually take the piss out of watching the film for the sake of that then it's probably fine to watch but mm-hmm. i would not go out of my way to try and watch batman and robin yeah but i would watch it at its own expense <laughs> so i kind of do that in this regard so i guess maybe in that way i would recommend it uh yeah, that's all i'm saying i agree it's my least favorite Bond film too. Not that I've watched all the Bond films, so I guess it's unfair to really compare. You got some homework to do. Yeah, I've, I mean, I definitely have some other ones to watch, but but yeah, I mean, in terms of what I have watched, it's my least favorite. Um, but I, you know, I guess in a terrible way, you know, I, I remember hearing someone say before, you have to plow four to appreciate an eight, and <laughs> in that setting, like this makes me appreciate the world is not enough so much more just watching it in that scope. So hey, that's like my, that's my point. Purpose. Yeah, it kind of fits with what you were saying. So, you, know, yeah. you didn't know what you had until it was gone. 
There you go. All right. Yep. Well, anyway, there you go. Chaz, this is your first <laughs> ranking episode. So I'm going to ask you first. What's from four to one? Four being yeah, the we're, worst. We're in danger zone now. We got an even amount of people. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, from four to one, four being the worst, one being the best. What's your ranking? Oh, this is easy. I just, it goes exactly in reverse order. So number four is Die Another Day. Uh, number three is The World's Not Enough. And then there's a big leap to number two, which is Tomorrow Never Dies. And then, of course, Golden Eye is number one. And it's not even close. Like, there are very rigid, like, gaps between all of these movies, oh, in my opinion. I'm going to say I am on the same wavelength as Chaz. So me and him oh. had the same exact ranking. GoldenEye, number one. Tomorrow Never Dies, number two. And then uh, the world is not, not world is not enough. Number three, and then die another day at number four. So Zach, what's your ranking? No, let do let Andy do it. All right, Andy, you're up. <laughs> Andy had that look like, damn it, Zach, I wanted to go last. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Hey, I'll go now. I, I was trying to pull up Google Docs. <laughs> Look, 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 look. Golden Eye is number one, okay? Yeah, pretty much. We're all gonna there's there's not going to be any argument no, no, from no. any of us. No, no, You must say how you have it written down in the Google Doc. Yeah, so uh, 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 Die Another Day is, is last. Okay. I'm, I'm putting my ratings, too. Yeah, Zach, Zach reviews everything. I review everything I watch. I like to give things chances. I do that in getting some color, which you guys should check out our, our podcast. Tomorrow um, never dies. Yeah, tomorrow never dies is number three. Oh God, I think this is uh, where the debate's coming. Good, let's oh, have yeah. a conversation, yeah. motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two. <laughs> I figured the, it, it's going to be in the in the middle. Two and three are we're in a debate. Yeah, and then uh, world's not enough is two. Yeah, golden eyes one. There we go. All right, Andy. Mine mirrors X. Uh, the bad one is number four. You know, the one that we hate, and I will not speak its name. <laughs> Golden Eye is number one. Duh. And then in the middle, I really, I came into this thinking a thousand percent, oh, it's the order that came out. It's definitely Golden Eye. And then it's definitely Tomorrow Never Dies. And then I guess it's World is Not Enough. And then it's definitely Die Another Day. But this this last watching of it, like, um, this isn't going to help my argument at all, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's funny. I like The World Is Not Enough for a lot of the same reasons The Last Jedi is my favorite sequel Star Wars movie. Because God bless it, at least it tried. It tried to do something creative and different. It fails sometimes. It's not always the best, but God damn it, it at least tried to do something outside of the established formula. Just because everyone else hates it doesn't mean I have to hate it. Even though, I well, first off, it. the Last Jedi is actually, I would say, a decent movie, and that's apples and fucking oranges. So we're gonna talk about this for a second. Uh, I mean, we did a whole episode where we argued ad nauseum all the Star Wars. Yeah, movies I got me into an order. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna go there with like, uh, I'm not gonna go there as far as like we talk specifically about that. But I think the situation there is very different than than trying to compare this because why as bond films go because th- that's that's like in a set amount of that's a set amount of time t- trying to tell a very linear like tying plot like 
as when you look at Bond films, Bond it's more a chronicling of like different types of adventures or things that are happening, but they're not necessarily related to each other. There might be callbacks, but they're not one overlying large plot tied together. Where it's more just like each thing is happening as it happens. Whereas I'm not saying like it's got the same story beats or it's got the same tone. All I mean is that they both tried to do something different with an established formula. Like after The Force Awakens came out, it was like, oh, this is just going to be fucking the original Star Wars movies again. Force Awakens is my least favorite because it's just New Hope again. I'll just watch New Hope. And as far as The World Is Not Enough goes, it's still very much a James Bond movie, and it doesn't it doesn't upset it quite as much as uh, Ryan Johnson's. Uh, okay, but well, let's, well, let's talk about that. We're here. Okay, so but why why did that happen? Like why why is the Last Jedi so different and so polarizing for people? It's not because they just decided to do that. There was this crisis that happened that completely diverted who was actually directing and and writing the the film. So. It went on. It went in a total different direction. And then what happened when Abrams comes back for uh, the uh, the ninth film, which the name's Co- escaping me. Cocaine. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Sure. Rise of Skywalker. Thank you. Uh, it goes right back to where it was supposed to be, as if the eighth didn't happen, which is actually a big detriment to that film. But we don't have to go there. But my my point being is like there's a very like good excuse or reason why that that film takes a different turn and they take a different take because of that. Whereas these films don't necessarily have that reason. I mean, again, you can have a different director or a different person in there, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's it's a little difficult. I guess it's oversimplifying to compare the two in that base. I get what you're saying. Like they it's, tried. I mean, it's not really. It's it's not really getting us anywhere in this particular conversation. Like it's not really neither here nor there. It's just I guess it's the true. way I, I frame why I like the world's not enough because it does do interesting things in that it doesn't just immediately tell you who the bad guy is and what their plan is. It doesn't just, uh, it it does a trick with the bond girl and the villain. It does a trick with the main villain and the muscle. It does a few little tricks in there and that's fun. That, that, uh, my brain's like, wait a minute, I thought we were watching a James Bond movie. I was just going to like fucking sit around and watch cars chase each other in explosions. But now I got to think a little bit. I like this. I'm getting getting a little work on. I don't know. I, I, I think yeah, we have stuff to take some there. The villain is flat in uh, World is Not Enough compared to. Um, no, she's got tits. Well, wow. You better take uh, that back right now, motherfucker. I'll fight you over her. I want to fuck her. I thought, ago, I all thought, right? I, I thought no, I would make that comment. Jeez. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I just. I, I didn't care for the. Uh, what was her name? Zelina, whatever. I don't fucking remember. Uh, Electra or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I, I'm going I'm to I'm champion this movie's cause. Well, that doesn't mean I'm in love with it. Okay, there's a lot of stuff about that movie that sucks. Electric King. <laughs> Electric yeah. King, that's it. Yeah, that was very Jay's Bond line. What was her name again? I don't fucking remember. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't... The twist didn't get me. I was just like, whatever. Um, All right, well, you guys tell us why Tomorrow Never Dies is so much better than The World's Night. Though. It better not be because some guy will control all the press after half the world. Wait, it's so prophetic. It's like today. Oh, I can't trust the news. The villain had more charisma <laughs> compared to Electric King. And I know that's, like, uh, that's fair, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I think it's really yeah. easy. I, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like Tomorrow Never Dies like is engaging. It doesn't have to be like complex and trying all these different things to attempt to like 
keep your attention because it was uninteresting pretty quickly on and then it was hard to like pay attention and or care for any twists like it was just simple I, again i'm not saying that the world is not or tomorrow never dies is like some fantastic movie or anything like it's just a good straightforward movie it's not gonna it's not gonna make you sit there and go man i'm really gonna sit and, and ponder this for a while like the the complexities throughout this movie no it's straightforward but what you what you see is what you get and it's fine world's not enough is not that way like i won't be as harsh as i was last week but it didn't change how i feel i still think it's like bad yeah i i i didn't i, I they made they tried to make like bond connect with electric king like he actually had feelings but i just didn't Feel that compared to Your Majesty's uh, the Lazenby uh, Bond, that that What's had this? that had more emotion. Um, as I mean, I know he's not falling in love with the villain, but he the, with the Bond woman at least I knew that he actually loved that lady. And then what happens at the end? Because I don't know if uh, Chaz seen that movie. Um, but at, at the end, I was like, holy shit! Like he actually it's heavy. Yeah, you feel it. Yeah, it, it it's heavy, and you're like, oh wow, Bond actually has feelings. This one, he's kind of like shot her and like looked at her and like did like a little kiss on the cheek, and you know, went away after he killed Electric King. I was like, I don't give a shit about her. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Like she's dead finally. Now we gotta go get the cuck on the submarine that's gonna nuke someone. And and I just the thing with uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is like. It had a good flow. It was just upbeat the whole time. Um, I was you got from point A to point B. Um, with the world is not enough. I do like that he does the secret agent stuff. That's the positive side of uh, in world is not enough. But when the action scenes happen with uh, Denise Richards and stuff, where she's the ditzy fucking scientist and trying to stop this person, I just didn't give a shit. Compared to Tomorrow Never Dies. I was like, wow, Steve Jobs is fucking trying to cause World War Three, And, you know, he's like, you better do this because I want to be rich. And I want to be the first one to, to report that China's fucking nuking uh, United Kingdom. The other one's like, I have these oil and I killed my father because I just want to be rich. I'm like, I don't care. I just... right, I, I'll, I'll say this. It's conceding two things. I think the gap between those two films is much closer than any of the gaps between them to golden eye or to die another day. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think it's like golden eye. And then like down mm -hmm. here, you got like these two movies and then way down yeah. here, you got die another day. I, I guess my scores, they're very so, close to one another. I don't, yeah, 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 yeah I don't, I your scores that. reflect that. And yeah. I, I do think look, really giving it, trying to keep it as, you know, just trying to look at it from some type of objective point of view, which clearly it's not because it's my opinion, so it's subjective. But I think that there are definitely elements on paper that they used with that in the plot of The World's Not Enough that are clearly better than the plot elements on paper they use for Tomorrow Never Dies. It is that the execution for me just did not work. And I think that's why I like the other movie better because it's sa it, it is safer. Because it is a straightforward plot, and yeah, as far as like the whole, the the Steve Jobs mogul thing, like it is kind of dumb, but it's like okay, whatever. But it's just a, it feels like almost cookie cutter. Like okay, we're gonna just go the straight and narrow path, and it works and it's fine. Whereas the other one, it just it took that risk, and for me, I didn't get follow it there. So because I didn't 
have the interest to follow it. It just didn't click for me. And, but I can understand for someone else, if it did hit that, maybe they do find it that way. So I can respect why you all find that movie to be better because you did relate to it and you were able to follow and stay engaged. But that to me, it's that that movie didn't allow others to do so. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's, I guess for me, that's why I think that it's, it's bad. But um, again, I, I think that maybe if it, if those same elements are applied in a different way and it actually ties the plot together to, to keep it engaging versus just suddenly rushing things, uh, which I guess now that I, I have the floor anyway, I'm just going to steamroll through this. I think that something I have noticed as we were talking about all these films, one of the, one of the major flaws of these films, even not, not so much in GoldenEye, but throughout the, the films specifically is they rush to things so quickly and just throw in so many plot devices without giving them any time to breathe. And I think that's why, you know, Electric King as, as a villain didn't hit for me because I didn't care and it didn't give any time to really let the relationship that they have breathe. They just throw you in and give you a quick in, like one liner about the info. And they actually do just that throughout the entire everyone, series. Just to remind everyone, uh, Dubs, you were talking about, oh, it's not as good as the relationship between him and Tracy in um, Majesty's Secret Service. That's the longest Bond movie so far. So they needed that time. They used that time. And like you said, they, they rushed to everything really quick. And unfortunately, that's just the way the Bond movies are. They got two hours, and they need to tell a spy story with twists and interesting nonsense. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, of course, every movie has to have the requisite scene with M, scene with Q, scene with Money Penny. So that's going to eat up some mm-hmm. of your time too, and well, also there's got to be a launch, James Bond, and a bunch of other I, like stupid contrivances. Well, I mean, I get that, but well, it's kind of like uh, the Daniel Craig movies are going to get longer and longer and fucking longer. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's not a bad thing, and no. and it kind of goes back to remember that we were when talking about Die Another Day, we talked about how there's so many easy ways to just explain things without using a great deal of time, like explaining why. Okay, well, you know, he was uh, a prisoner for this much time. But he doesn't look like he, he was just ready to go right off and go and do spy stuff again. Well, no, you had a way to write this so that it just says, okay, well, he had months to, of time to actually uh, to actually train and stuff. And you don't it need to have scene. like full on screen. Yeah, you can give cutscenes or you can give other things to show people how they care for each other. Like you could you could build those things within a movie and have you care. Um I mean, even in Tomorrow Never Dies, I feel like even though they do rush and show, oh, well, he happened to have a relationship um, with uh, the villain's uh, wife uh, previously, but they use subtle things to tie in to really show you he does care. And then that when she, you know, she dies and he, he sees it, even though he's in the moment and can't really take it in, you can still tell it affects him. And it doesn't just like completely just go over your head and think, oh, well, that was nothing. So I, I think there's still subtle ways to do it, and unfortunately, I think these these films suffer in some ways because they don't get that time. But like you said, you can't do that. I mean, otherwise, all the films would be four hours long. Okay, this may sound sexist from me, um, but when was the last time Bond had a uh, women villain? Now I know there's been women side villains, but when was like the major woman villain from the? It wasn't until Electric King. That was the first one. Okay. Yeah, I think that's part of why it was like, oh my God, what the fuck? It was different. They kind of frame it like Octopus is going to be a bad guy and then she isn't. But yeah, it's a swerve. I don't know if it counts. Yeah. So yeah. I have to say this like, it's different what they did with Electric King. Like, oh my God, a woman villain. It's crazy. 
But at the same time, I think Bond does better against a male villain. Because the adrenaline, the, uh, uh, you know, man versus men, you know, trying to be the alpha male kind of thing um, comes off better than, you know, Electric King, in my opinion. I know, like, you could do that story like, oh, I actually did like you. And now I feel hurt that <laughs> I have to kill you kind of thing. So I, I get that. But, like, at the same time, the chemistry with all the other Bond villains when they were male, I was happy and it felt good. Uh, but, like I said, that might come off sexist, be like, yeah, women villains suck. Um, Some of the male villains lacked a little bit of punch. But I, when you started talking about not to be sexist, I really thought you were going to take us down. And, again, I don't want to do you guys' job for you, but what you need to do to get to put Tomorrow Never Dies over, at least for me, is to talk about how much better Wei Lin's character is than like anything that's going on in Tomorrow in the world is not enough. Well, that's that's my. She's big. a really cool character. There's they mm-hmm. use her really creatively, not only in action scenes but like story wise. Better than Halle yeah. Berry. Um, it, yeah, it's like that's what that's what Halle Berry's character should have been. They should have yeah. just done something like that again. But instead, it's just like, like, oh, it's like Wei Lin, but like not as good. Yeah. <laughs> So I had to check on something because it was bothering me because I thought I remember there being another female villain. And it does look like, uh, looking back, that there there was a different... There was another time where there was a female villain that was the main or one of the primary antagonists. I mean, there was um, like... What's her name? Cleb. She, yeah, exactly. Like Cleb from, from Russia with Love. Yeah. yeah that, she's uh, kind of yeah. like... I mean, it's like... It's like uh, Smirsh is the main bad guy and she's kind of like the personification of that. And then the mm-hmm. muscle is, um, it's been too long. What's his face? The guy he fights in the, uh, in the, the train car. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. So sort of club, sort of, I guess. Uh, but again, like the main bad guy is still kind of like the, the disambiguated, like Soviet Union death oh, yeah. despise organization. Oh, sure. There's like more than just an individual person, but yeah, it's not, it's not like, uh, it, it's not like the, the guy in charge of Moonraker was right. actually a woman. Yeah, so it's, he, it's, he, not, it's not as pronounced, I guess. Here's my thing. Zach, you have to change my mind. I had, You have to cave me in on why World is Not Enough should be at number two in the final ranking. I don't think I can, because this is, this is obviously... Uh, this is an example of how these movies come across to different people. Yeah, uh, it seems to me like people like different things about James Bond. They react to different movies uh, differently, and like some people, like Andy said, this is the worst movie. I don't think this is the worst movie. Uh, Die another day. I think it's a different one. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> also, I there's there's something else, and I I'm I'm coming around. I kind of want to concede tomorrow never dies, but I want to say something really interesting here too. Uh, I just looking for talking points while we were doing this. I looked it up and uh, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes agrees with you guys. They say tomorrow never dies is better, but IMDb does by one point and Rotten Tomatoes does by 4%. However, both Google and Metacritic agree with Zach and I, and both of them by one fucking percent. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so people so are very, very evenly split on these movies, just like we are. So here's your microcosm of the movie watching community right here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's do this first. I won't concede. I want 
Mara never dies to be number two, and then world is not enough at number three. Chaz, what about you? Someone else go. I, it's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I can. It. I can. Uh, yeah, tomorrow never dies at number two. I'm not like they're so close. There's no way that hurts my feelings. I yeah, it's like you see my scores. I'm not going to get that pissed about it. It's just yeah, I kind of like the other one a little bit better. I, I, I've, I've made some pretty passionate stands in our ranking episodes, but this doesn't have to be one of them. It's, okay. it's okay. They're both. So fair. you're, so you're saying that you're fine with saying tomorrow never dies is number two. Mm-hmm. Sure. Zach, Zach, are you okay? Cool. Because that doesn't make me because I'm actually at the point where I, I could because I'm looking at the objective side of it and like outside looking in, just I, I could technically. I already won. I so. already won because I told you guys that you were going to be getting on your knees and faking this movie when we had to watch Night <laughs> Every Day, and I already I got that. Was gonna so happen. as far as I'm concerned, uh, I already yeah. Won. I mean, I knew that was going to happen. So, so anyway, I I am. I think with that, I, I would still want to keep it the way it is. However, I could also concede, but given that we're we're at a point where yeah, we, we all basically there. agree it's an even, and we have the one. I, yeah, I think keeping it where it's at is is fine. Tomorrow Never Dies is number two. Okay, so the way we watch it is the final ranking. Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and then Die Another Day. That is the final ranking for the James Brosnan, James Bond. All we have left right now... <laughs> James Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> the Pierce Bond. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said right the whole time, fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. Uh, we have Daniel Craig left. Who knows? We might save it for. Hey, you might get it soon. You might wait until next March. I think March should be coined Bond Month, if anything. So well, then there would only be one more. There's no point in coining it. Yeah. Well, and then we'll have. Maybe we'll replace it with like I don't know Jason Bourne and like other spy movies. Maybe let's make March. Bear, bear in mind. Uh... It's going to take more than a month to wrap up Daniel Craig. Yes, because there's a lot of them. Um, but um, we don't know what's going to be for next round of movies. That has to be discussed after this episode. Um, so whatever the next movie is, make sure you watch it before you listen to it. Because remember, we spoil everything here on the show. Um, but let's get to some news that matter to us. Um, I'm going to go first. So I don't know if you're familiar with Greg Miller from kind of funny games. They have a podcast. Um, he has a podcast called PS. I love you. XOXO, um, which is a PlayStation oriented podcast. He tweeted out, I'm delaying the podcast because big news is coming out. Uh, and apparently one of the big news, and apparently there's two other big news coming out for PlayStation during this week. So this is one of the three. Uh, PlayStation announced their answer to Game Pass, uh, which is right now coined PlayStation Plus Spartacus. And they came out with the pricing and what you're going to be getting with uh, each tier. The PlayStation Plus Essential Benefits provides the same benefits that PlayStation Plus members are getting today, such as Two monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage for saved games, online multiplayer access. There are no changes for existing PlayStation Plus members in this tier, which is in the United States, $10 monthly, 
uh, Europe, eight ninety nine, whatever uh, Europe's money is. United Kingdom, which is a pound, six ninety nine pounds, and Japan yen, which is eight hundred and fifty monthly. Did you say whatever Europe's money is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every what Europe is the euro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay. You're one of the most ubiquitous currencies on the planet. <laughs> uh, America dollar. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. Can you give me a euro Whatever. How, how much Bitcoin does the the monthly cost? A lot. Are they going to let you pay in Bitcoin? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> PlayStation Plus Extra <laughs> benefits provides all the benefits from the essential tier. Uh, but you also get ads and catalog up to 400 of the most enjoyable PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners games. And the extra tier are downloadable for play. Uh, dollars is $14.99 a month. Uh, Euros is $13.99. Uh, pounds is $10.99. And then yen is $1,300 monthly. PlayStation Plus Premium, you get, provides all the benefits from Essential and Extra Tiers, has up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games available via cloud and streaming, uh, a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation Portable Generations, no Vita, by the way. Um, offers cloud streaming access for original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation uh, Portable, and PS4 games offered in extra and premium tiers and markets where PlayStation Now is currently available. Customers can stream games using PS4 and PS5 consoles and PC. Time-limited game trials, which is demos, uh, will also be offered in tier in this tier, so customers can try select games before demos. they buy... Dollars seventeen ninety nine a month, euros sixteen ninety nine a month, uh, pounds thirteen forty nine a month, and then yen uh, one thousand five hundred and fifty. And those are the tiers. Um, I'm gonna get it because of the high paying one because of the PlayStation PS2 and PSP. Um, but other than that, I don't give a shit about the other because it's literally PlayStation Now because you get the streaming part. Where's the PlayStation 3 support? What the fuck? It's like there's a huge hole in their goddamn shit. I was I was cruising. Uh, I was trying to find it just now so I could send it to you guys, but I don't know where it's going to be. Uh, I was cruising Twitter before we got on the show, and I saw so many people being like, motherfuckers, where's PlayStation 3? Why is the simulation so difficult? One of the memes I saw was just, uh, Sony says PS3 emulation too hard. My brother in Christ, you made the system or something like that. It's- <laughs> <laughs> but why is it so easy? I, I, I'm not doing like a console. Warrior. It's because of the cell processor. It's so hard. But why it is, is hard. But why does my Xbox Series X and even the Xbox One um, have that backwards compatibility so good? Cell processing is too powerful. Um, Microsoft followed. Uh, an architecture a little more similar to like PC yeah. x86 kind of shit. Uh, all, more all, all the Xboxes are kind of just glorified PC. But yeah, the, the Japanese console manufacturers traditionally never went that route. Why are these big three companies do this shit though? They always do this because all us fans are like, hey, if you would put like fucking, you know, um, Earthbound 1 
on my fucking system where I could put it on the Switch, which uh, you, you could do it now, eventually. Yeah, Earthbound it, 1 is on the Switch right now. Yeah, but, <laughs> which I know is now. The, but, like, okay. other games, like, other games, like, why not just expand that library where I'll be, wow, uh, I, I'm pulling this out of my ass, fucking Terminator versus Robocop. Put that shit. Why is, nobody, nobody wants to play that. I want to. Why is there no GameCube uh, game run on Switch? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Yet? Well, I, and I was really hoping that was going to turn into to Dubs just naming games that then Andy would immediately jump in and say, "Wait, that's on the Switch now." That's, that's why. That's, <laughs> that's, that, 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 I was hoping that's that. Why, why is it Ninja Golf on Switch? That's Ninja why. I, that's why I did RoboCop vs. Terminator because I know so, that. I mean, it's it's really simple. It, I mean, it's money. It, it, you know, but they could be making like, money. They could be yeah. making money though. That that's my thing. Is like they're always like whining and bitching, but like, oh my god, you guys are fucking emulators are robbed. They're like, I'm gonna fucking shoot the shit out of you. But then they never they're, put it on their system. They're gonna add shit later if they have to, and if they decide to donate the time to it. They want to later be able to like guess what everyone we added PlayStation Three games you can play fucking Haze now on your PlayStation Five oh it's so exciting do you think do you really think Nintendo had a hard time figuring out Sega Genesis and Nintendo sixty four emulation for the Switch oh. do you really think it took them two years to figure out how to do that no it didn't they could have done that day one but they kept it in their back pocket so that some time would pass and they'd be like hey we're gonna introduce another tier on our stupid online subscription thing. And if you get the higher tier, oh, we're going to give you some Genesis games. We're going to give you some 64 games. Come on. Like, that that's what Sony's going to do with PlayStation 3 support. It's going to be, oh, we're adding PlayStation 3 games. Obviously, it's only at the highest possible level because that's the only one that has all the, the backwards stuff anyway, which they haven't announced the lists of yet. I'm very interested to see where that's going to go. It's so weird that they did everything but that. It's just like all at once. It's just like, hey, it's everything we ever did except this one specific. Well, they're hiding it behind the whole uh, because PlayStation now has all the PS3 streaming. Um, if you have good internet, um, and that's what, yeah, that's what it says. PS3 games available via cloud streaming, streaming. is going to be at the highest. Yeah, level. yeah. Sorry, there. Now I want to ask: Have you guys ever played any games on on PlayStation I, now? Like, I ever ha- streamed anything? I have, I have not. Um, latencies not good but playable um and if you have shitty internet um especially even now like not everybody in the world has good internet so that's not gonna be yeah, viable. these decisions are obviously made by people in japan a, a country that has famously great internet all over the place here mm-hmm. in the united yeah. states there's still tons of people who like struggle to have competent broadband yeah, we don't have to get into that talk. Yeah, there's a reason. Like, I, know, so I have a lot of experience with that. Actually, yeah, I literally couldn't have like I couldn't even be on this show if it weren't for the fact that I invested way more money than I want to talk about in getting fiber installed in my house, and it was a huge process. So, if it weren't for all of that, I wouldn't even be able to be on this cast because I I wouldn't be able to have reliable internet. But that being said, like, it streaming does work pretty smoothly if you have. Uh, adequate internet and specifically you have to have a decent upload speed as well as your download speed like you can't like a lot of people have asymmetric download upload like you'll have a crazy high download speed but your upload is just way off for the mark and in the most cases you don't need that but when you're streaming uh when you're doing the streaming for gaming the upload actually matters a lot especially if it's something where you're playing anything that's online um like like interacting with others so um not that there are too many games that do that uh but nevertheless like the 
those are that's basically the rules. Like if you have good internet, you can use it and it works really well. If you don't, then you can't. So then it just becomes a thing of well, what the hell's the point? Um, but it's back to what uh, you guys were saying. Like PS3, for whatever reason, they they really pigeonhole themselves with the technology. And it's almost like one of those things where as the rest of the industry with Microsoft and Xbox was moving forward to show, hey, we have these things that are backward compatible, they just never learned their lesson. And now, like decades later, they're like, oh, we got to fix this. And it's like, well, you can't. I was making a joke, but cell processing and the actual architecture of the PlayStation 3 is actually kind of obtuse. It's very difficult to develop for, which we all heard about, you know, for a long time during that generation. But also, um, and this has been a few years ago now, so this may have changed. But I read an article linked somewhere on Video Game History Foundation about how um, people who write emulators are having an incredibly hard time writing for the PlayStation Three. Like emulators for 360 and back, no fucking problem all day long. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. Dolphin for the Wii and stuff like that. But the PlayStation Three is just really weird and really hard and like a lot of the tricks that work on the stuff don't work there so maybe sony's struggling with that but again you guys made the console like if anyone could do it it seems like it should be sony but again i, I think they could they just don't want it They're yeah gonna save it for a surprise well, zach what's your opinion before we get like segue into jim ryan uh his interview <laughs> where, he, where he doesn't want to do okay, this but he's... About what specifically here just a tier list like what's your thoughts on it do you uh, do you see yourself doing that or are you just like fuck it i just i'll play what i want to play and just have the regular playstation plus no yeah that, that stuff's not for me it's just like the microsoft game pass thing mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't buy enough games to justify it and uh not enough games come out that interest me enough to have a subscription like that i just have too many games i already need to play that too uh yeah i'm I'm not the target audience for that kind of stuff zach and i are both part of this weirdo crowd where we like to like own things lock stock and you know physical barrel you gotta pry it from my fucking dead hands to get it from me buy a wife it's bullshit get out of here really interested in nfts then right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know for me i'm i'm in the same camp as doves I'll, I'll probably end up getting it but I, I i might wait and see what the list of the games that are included are like i have the game pass stuff because otherwise i basically just have the xbox because i was able to buy it so like that it was actually just available and i bought it on impulse so i feel like it's almost justified and there are things that i get out of the game pass so i don't have to buy other games i think sony's detriment and i I heard another uh group talking about this in a podcast i listened to about how the one of the things that sony's had as a strength for such a long time that might hurt them is because they've had such an exclusive catalog and they keep rolling out games and while if they offer the games that they have like classically that you can only get on playstation that's a benefit but if they start doing what uh the Xbox Game Pass does in which they will provide exclusives immediately, like on day one, that can end up being a detriment because again, they have they put a lot more budget into their like games. Like again, we're all gonna be excited if the new God of War was available day one on that pass and you didn't have to buy it for $70. No. But from the from their standpoint, are that what money are they gonna make? You know, like are they gonna make more money or are they gonna take huge losses based on the amount of money they're expecting to make? That's the budget from the studio. It's just, uh, well, a, that's an argument, right? Like, which is better? Yeah. It sounds like you were like kind of thinking the other way around. Like, it, 
Andy, like you think that it's it's well, Dubs it Dubs alluded it? that he wanted to roll right into that interview with uh, Jim Ryan, and if he's talking about the same one that I read, that's what Jim Ryan says. He says our games are not going to be on this service day one, yeah. and he sees that as a detriment to their performance. Like he talks about how well we want to be able to put out a product and then use the the proceeds from that product to invest in a new thing. But then why do and... this tier list? That that that's the thing that kind of like blows my mind. Is like that the, shows me that they don't have confidence in this product. Yeah, Mm-mm. because yeah. The, uh, the the one edge that Game Pass has right now is that there's day one titles going on there. Yeah, um, I, I've I've said it on the show before, but I'll to reiterate: if you're an average person, if you're just like an average gamer, and you're not like this, a, a weirdo with this mental disease where I've got to have a shelf full of games. If you're an average person, Game Pass is. Far and away the best deal on the market. Game Pass is wonderful. Mm. It's just not for me personally. So, I, you know, if PlayStation, like, the list is going to make or break this. If the list is like a bunch of old, kind of pathetic, the newest game that they could name was uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, a launch title for the PlayStation 5. That mm. was the most recent game that came up in the interview. Yeah. So it's going to make or break them what's on this list and also what PS1 games are getting, what PS2 games are getting, and what PSP games are getting. Is it only like three games per per platform? Are they doing it like pathetic Nintendo style? Or are they going to like open the gates? Get me like every Final Fantasy from the PlayStation. Get me like all the Jack and Daxters. Get me all the Sly Coopers. Like if, if they take it seriously, this could do really well, but when they say stuff like well we're not we're definitely never going to put games on their day one it makes me think they don't have a lot of confidence in in getting in taking that market share from microsoft well i'm i'm going to throw some because i follow the console war bullshit between content creators and people on twitter because twitter is a horrible place to live and uh i if i had to rank twitter it's like right next to hell um so anyway um so (laughs) when i read like all the console war bullshit when people are picking sides I love the, it. It's the, hilarious. The number one thing, like when the Sony news came out, be like Game Pass dead, and then obviously, like there's people that were like having conversations, but like, well, there's no day one, and then people would be like, oh, well, this game wasn't good. I mean, look at Halo; it doesn't have enough content. Which here's what I will concede and agree on is that Sony has quality, and I agree with Chaz. The budget is really high when they're creating those games because they have to do motion capture. They hire these big act voice actors to do their games. So they have to put their uh, money where their mouth is first before, you know, giving a game like that to go on their their Game Pass type of uh, structure. So here's I have a plan for you, Sony. Listen to me loud and clear if you're listening to me. Give it maybe like a month or two. It doesn't need to be day one, but give it about a month or two to be in the market. And if people buy it, but then again, that also might harm it as well, because then people will just wait the two months and then get it on the. Uh, their game pass or spartacus but like show us that people are buying your games on day one even if you want to uh give some perks where the essential tier which is the the highest paying tier that they get discounts on the game five dollars five or ten dollars is a big deal to gamers if we could buy a game that uh especially when sony games are seventy dollars if i could buy a game that's 60 or 55 i will dig that if i if you put that on my uh uh, as a perk and then you know you have the game like god of war the the next one ragnarok 
have that out in the market for two to three months before it goes onto the list of my essential pack. I will dig that more than ever because I get it. Because when I look at quality, I look at Sony because I like their games like Horizon. I like Last of Us. I like Ghost of Tsushima uh, and all those games. So I dig that. Um, but with Xbox, their problem is, is like, oh, we're having all these games. But when they finally do come out, they're either half-assed uh, or they're good, but they're still missing features. Like the biggest thing that comes to mind is Crackdown Three. Remember the marketing on that game? Like, God damn it, that game should have been so good. It yeah. pisses me off. <laughs> like when that when that game, when that game got so much marketing and and was told to go on Game Pass, that was kind of like a fucking kick to the nuts. Be like, yeah, Crackdown Three, we made this game. Here it is on Game Pass. <laughs> I'm like, you just brought. You just brought it up. What about Halo Infinite? Yeah. Halo Infinite was an unfinished game, and we already knew, like, a year ago when they had to delay it, that game looked like shit. And it's like, okay, you have your own studio to make this game, and yes, it, it's turned out, and, it's, and they're making patches to make it better and better, and, and the game is fine, but, like, again, it goes back to the day one thing. Do you want an unfinished project, product day one? No, no. You, you want you want your masterpiece right when it comes out. It doesn't mean it's wrong, and I'm not taking the sides of one or the other. Uh, the way I look at that with the Twitter war is like these mouth breathing pores just need to put the put the bootstraps on and make sure they can afford both because you can enjoy both. And yes. if you don't, keep your opinion to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put the bootstraps fun. on, brother. Well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I always... real, real quick addendum to that. I think it's important when you call a game unfinished, which it is. Like. Forza Horizon 5 was unfinished. The online was kind of shitty. But when you say a word like that, it puts to mind uh, like Battlefield 4 or something. That's not that bad. <laughs> oh, that's true. I mean, and some of them are, but think of like, think of way back Street Fighter 5. Street Fighter 5 was a trash fire when it first yeah, came it was, out. Uh, Most yeah. of the roster wasn't unlocked and it was intentional, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this actually goes back to something we said at the beginning of the cast. We we're talking about like reviews and how like reviews for games are different. There's actually been a huge trend lately where video games will get come out and they will get these immaculate reviews and then a month later they will change things in their system so that now they have they are just riddled with microtransactions and they are intentionally changing the game and structure yeah. the pay structure in the game so that what was reviewed looks good so they you're seeing it critically reviews, a game yeah. game and they dodge that but then they're completely changing the structure and that's kind of shitty um so we're seeing all these little tactics that are nickel and diming people uh, to you know pull as much money as they can out of them. And again, it's it, it's again it's scummy tactics. Uh, it's same thing. And it, I don't blame the developers. Like looking at it from their side, like game crunch is a thing. The developers are put through like an enormous amount of pressure to push out these titles, especially you know, large AAA uh, developers. Whereas we've seen almost like a, a renaissance uh, for indie developers. Like think how many fantastic games have come out in the last five years that have been indie games. Like Hades is one of the best games I've ever played. And it's because that game was given the time and the love and the budget wasn't super high for it. Um, and there are other games that are like that. And I, I think that that is something that's telling uh, for how the developers are, are treated uh, as far as like, okay, well you have so much time, you're just going to homogenize this game and just push it out. I mean, think of even with Elden Ring, like that, that game is being like appraised and, uh, you know, praised highly for what it is. But there are people that are also complaining, well, it's, it's not as accessible as, <laughs> 
I, I don't know, like any game that Ubisoft's put out in the last five years because it doesn't have like just a bajillion things on the map on, online. Yeah, do you find towers? Yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, I'm probably going on a bad rant here. I've jumped to like 10 different points, but um, I, I think the overall point I'm trying to make is the, I don't even know where I'm at now. I'm lost. Squirrel brain. Lost <laughs> <laughs> uh, myself in it. To go I, I still think they're going to make or break this based on the games that are on it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It goes, it goes right back to every E3 presentation. It's all about the games. I don't give a fuck about all this other shit. Just what games can you give me? Well, it goes. I do think they really mix the mark. Oh, go ahead, Dubs. We keep cutting you off. Go ahead. Well, it goes back to that interview. I mean, we don't know it verbatim. I don't know if Andy does, but I got, we... I got it pulled up. If you need to know, okay. I'll go. I'll paraphrase it. Tell me if I was right or wrong, and you know, you give me the exact thing. But what Jim Ryan talked about, like how he in a sense he doesn't want to do this uh because he thinks the like the day one quality um is still matters in sony which i kind of agree but at the same time it feels like he's just feeding into the outcry of team sony in the console wars where people are like we need something like game pass do it now and he's like, I, okay, I guess I'll just merge PS now and maybe have some emulators for PS2 and PSP to make you guys happy. Um, but Andy could tell the exact thing and what he says in it. So Andy, take it away. It's, it's a long interview, so I, I don't know the exact point. Uh, he makes he makes some points about how you know again their big titles are not going to be on their day one because he says that. When a big game comes out, they want to use those profits to invest in the next big game. But I don't know the way development studios are broken up, the way the way they do this stuff. I don't know if like he's he's trying to make it sound like the profits from Green Turismo Seven are going to directly fund God of War Ragnarok or, or something, whatever, something else. Oh, sorry, and uh, sorry to like sidetrack you, but did you hear about the Gran Turismo Seven? Like the whole game is microtransaction. And oh really? It's online yeah. play only. Oh, that sucks. But it, that's, game looked that's gorgeous. Like, though, I thought it looked pretty good. That sucks. And that actually tied into what I said. That game actually didn't have microtransactions. The first like two, a couple weeks it was available, and whenever people reviewers were able to to have the game, no microtransactions. They added them after all the reviews came out and the game was on the market. Yeah, so that's shitty. People that were very shitty. Yeah, yeah people showed up ways to get around grinding, like and shit. Like I don't know how they did it. They came up with like a way to somehow automatically do races or something and get like the free currency. And there's actually this is not the first time this has happened. There are several other games that have done that exact formula where they change it. Um, and it's going to continue to happen because I mean, what's going to stop people? Like no one's going to. The only way to really show a developer that you're not going to purchase that is to simply not give them your money and unfortunately a lot of people are already scammed like once you've already purchased it and you're either playing it and you're like well might as well or even if you bought them the game like well it's too late you already purchased the game like you've given them your money so yeah they got your money i don't care anymore yeah you can get on twitter and whine all you want use every hashtag in the book they got your money right but anyway he makes he makes two more points that i wanted to touch on um there are 48 million PlayStation Plus subscribers right now, and he says it's phrased in that oh these these are the people that they're targeting. They want them to trade up to extra or premium, so that's where they expect to make the extra money. Um, I don't know if the value is that good and extra. It's not for me personally, 
I will. It's, it's, it seems like it's going to be either you're the kind of guy who wants it all, like Dubs. You're going to get premium. You're a whale, or yeah. you're you know just a fish, and you're like, well, I'm just going to get plus so I can play with my friends. That's well, all I care about. My problem personally is FOMO, fear of missing out. So I got to get the best. We've and, discussed this on the show before. You got to get over it, baby. Yeah, I know. You can't, you can't worry about that. Who cares? Yeah, I know. It's just a problem that I need to get over. It's kind of like alcoholism, but I'm drinking whiskey, so whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, and my favorite point that he makes, and this is the one I really want to hammer home, is uh, hang on, I I had the exact quote here somewhere. Uh, but the medium of this is this is uh, Ryan speaking specifically. But the medium of gaming is so very different to music and to linear entertainment, meaning movies, that I don't think we'll see it go to the levels of what we see with Spotify and Netflix. That sounds exactly to me like what blockbuster and Redbox were saying in the late 2000s and the early 10s oh this isn't like music it's never it's never going to be like that it's never going to be yeah all digital that's not going to happen he's, that's not going to happen to us he's so stuck and japan uh especially so stuck in the past as far as business wise I, I i'm i always sound like i'm jerking off phil spencer but phil spencer changed the game when it came to game pass when he put that pro- program out there, he's, he's like, we can never compete with Sony with hardware, and we can never compete with the budget of uh, the games that they make. But we could sure make a hell of a service, and that's what he did. Um, yeah. And it, it knocked Sony on their ass a little bit. because the, And this is mainly because of the pandemic. I think if the pandemic wasn't a factor, that game development, they would be pushing out games in the early stages of their generation. Because they're coming off of PS4, which probably is one of the greatest generations since PS2. Um, yeah, PS4 was definitely better than the Xbox One. I don't, I don't know a lot of people going to the bat for the Xbox One over the PS4. So they should have been, you know, putting out big hits, but obviously the pandemic uh, caused some things, and uh, and also with Xbox as well. I mean, look at Halo Infinite. That's a prime example. I'm pretty sure near the end, even though that's been in five years of development. Um, it hindered in the final stages of uh, the development of Halo Infinite. Um, and I don't know, man. It's just like he, he's refusing to move with the times. It's kind of like Vince yeah. McMahon with wrestling <laughs> a little bit, where he's like, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care yeah. what you guys say. Maybe time will tell. And he has a lot more like knowledge at his disposal than like I do. Who am I? Nobody. But Still, when I read that, when I know that he said that out loud, unironically, it just all I can think about is all these other companies that are like, no, it's never going to be all digital. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. It's this. This is different. You don't understand. This is different from that. So, I, I yeah, don't know. maybe not. Again, uh, listen to like every other episode of the show. Uh, physical media forever, baby. I always want my games to be on a shelf. I don't want anything digital, but. I think he's being a little foolish by saying something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's difference in having a preference versus saying that one is just not going to happen because it already has. Yeah. No, like it's, that's, that's literally on that's, that road. That's strong old man yelling at clouds vibes. Like we're, yeah. we're going to leave you in the dust. And, and again, it's not that Sony's going to fold or anything because of that. Um, they're going to move along at the times too. That statement is going to age like milk. Yeah. I, I also think that amongst all of this, between the interview and the actual release statement, they missed a mark uh, in marketing. Why release something like this in this instead of doing a video? 
And you know, it's, and it almost seems like it was like a knee-jerk reaction to, oh, we're going to have this thing we'll release out because their state of play was kind of underwhelming. Um, that's yeah, they should have they should have composed a whole thing. Like oh, I was cool. I was waiting for like a more graceful transition to this, but today all Nintendo did was delay a game, and they still released like a one minute video of AG Onuma being like, "Hey, we're sorry." We need a little more time to make sure that this game is just perfect. We apologize. And he like bows to the camera. Like it's only a minute long, but that speaks to me so much better than you know this this kind of stuff. Text it speaks that it's caring versus like that you're just like I don't care about my fan base. Like yeah. think about how much how much cooler it would have hit and like, how well it would have hit home if someone were like if they just even had like a casual video actively showing the process of the this the new uh, streaming platform or, or the the plus platform where on a PS five you had two guys that just booted up like Tekken three Tekken tag tournament or just any other game you can think of in, on PS one or PS two and just started playing it. Like how, how much hype that would have built. And then you could ex- still explain like, Oh, well there's these tiers here. Like, is that really that big a deal? The tiers aren't, but like just putting out in a statement, like you're missing out on the opportunity to promote your, your, your new business endeavor. I mean, it, I don't recall this being the way that Xbox proposed Game Pass. They didn't. They they went out and they went full court press to to advertise it. it was they're missing big, out big on a way deal. to market it. Yeah, exactly, because it is a big deal. And it's a big deal that PlayStation's doing this if they do it correctly, but the fact that they're not, and they're just kind of like, oh, here's the paper, we're going to do this, it, it, it seems exactly like you said. They have no faith in it. And if they're not going to put effort into it because they don't believe in it, it's it's going to fail before it starts. It's going to be like the Nintendo online thing. It's like, oh, great, cool, I get some extra things in the virtual store, I guess, of Nintendo and uh, Super Nintendo and N64. Oh, and DLC mm-hmm. map and Mario, Mario Kart. So I feel like that's what's going to happen with Sony is they're going to be like, hey, guess what? And I'm pretty sure this is going to like might be announcements for E3 or whatever E3 is going to be this year. Where they're just gonna be like, hey, if you buy, you know, Spartacus, the top tier, you're gonna get these games, and that might be a factor. Where be like, oh, you get to play, I don't know, I'm just pulling shit out of my ass. The, the Metal Gear, the PS1 Metal Gear on there, because people were asking for remakes. Well, guess what? You you get to play the PS1 version. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to remake. The game's already great. Yeah. So, I don't know. Bottom line is. It's a wait and see kind of thing. Will it hit off? Will it compete with Game Pass? Who knows? Um, I just, and this is not me being biased because I do love Sony games. I think Game Pass is the better, uh, you know, uh, option right now because of day one. I think that's what has the edge. Because instead of just buying something like Crackdown 3 and finding out it's it's mediocre, I could just buy Game Pass and then try it. And if it's mediocre, I'd be like, ah, whatever. Compared to me buying, okay. buying a $60 I, game. I would agree with you. It's still better. And we'll, and we'll see how the list plays out. But the, here, here's something else to be hype about. They, and it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's possible. Imagine going back and being able to play all the, the older PS1, PS2 games, but they have trophies. Yeah, that's that's also a big option as well. I mean, I know a lot of the classics have been remade anyway. Like, you can go and play oh. Final Fantasy seven now and get all the trophies and stuff but that'll be a really cool thing if they do it right i'm not holding my breath though um the way the interview was <laughs> i think he's just doing it like see we have it are you happy now i still yeah, think it's probably just gonna be a bunch of the stuff they already have on the playstation network it's just stuff that they have locked off 
accessibility too because it was on the PS3 and the PSP anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we're getting anything new out of it. Okay. And, and a lot of those already have um, trophies too, so that's cool. All right, so since this episode is going a little long, I'm going to end it off on this news, unless you guys have other news to talk about. And it's... Yeah, just Zelda got delayed till spring. Yeah, there so Elden Ring is going to get Game of the Year now. Um, <laughs> because... That's Kirby, man. Haven't you heard? Hot take. It was going to get Game of the Year anyway. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Nintendo fans are kind of crazy. Um, You're not wrong. I'm going to end it on this, and... We don't need to go deep dive into it. I just want to know your guys' opinion. So the Oscars happened. Um, I totally forgot about it until something happened. Um, I, I didn't forget. I just didn't care. Yeah. Uh, Twitter was trending about Will Smith. And I was like, why is Will Smith trending? Did he win, like, award? Which he did. He did. He, yeah. he did. Uh, but he slapped the shit out of uh, Chris, Chris Rock. Uh, and... It's because Chris Rock... Now, when you're a comedian and people that are sitting in a front row, they always get roasted. So Jada um, got roasted because she was kind of bald and said, hey, you should be like on G.I. Jane 2 or I can't wait to see your G.I. Jane 2 movie soon. And Will Smith kind of chuckled, but like reviewing the video, uh, Jada was pissed. She rolled her eyes uh, and kind of looked pissed off. And then Will Smith looked at her. And then that's when he went on a stage and slapped Chris. I almost, I almost keep on saying Chris Black. Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Rock. And then he goes back to sit down. And then he, uh, if you watch the videos on Twitter from Australia and Japan, it's uncensored. So it's like keep your uh, keep my wife's name at your fucking mouth, and he says it twice and really, really loud. Um, and then after that, he wins the award for best male actor, and he apologized to the Academy, but does not apologize to Chris Rock. The only time he apologized him was by a written statement, which was probably not written by him or not said by him, but probably by his PR staff. They had to put that out there to make sure that, you know, hey, he's apologized. So my question to you guys, was it a work? I'm going, it it was a work. My wrestling brain is like, this. they needed ratings. They needed to do something. Um, A lot of people are going to like use evidence like, oh, he, he was yelling really loud fuck in the Oscars. I'm like, I, dude. These are trying times. The Oscars have been going on a downhill in ratings. Um, now, was this planned by the Oscars or the you know the main people of the Academy? Probably not. Um, but I I think Will Smith took liberties, I guess, and and you know went into went in for business for himself. It have been Chris Rock stunt. He's doing a comedy tour right after this. Yep. So. I'm going with work. Andy, I want your opinion. Work or real? Work, shoot. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I really don't care about this. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. Chad. Um, I, I, I looked real in me, but I've only ever seen like a few memes of it. And by a few memes, I mean like 600,000. Yeah. So I was in the, the same boat and I forgot that the Oscars was even happening and then saw it. And I don't really care. I hate we're even giving time to it because there's so many more important things out there. 
that aren't yes. getting attention, yes. and this is. Yes. But that being said, it was a work because one, we're talking about it, and that's the whole point it happened. But yes. whether it was just between them or whatever, but how many people get slapped in the face like that in front of a group of other people if it's real and don't react and don't react at all? Yeah, that's guess gonna... what? Chris Rock was smiling. So you watch it, like it happens, he's a little surprised, but like it's, it's kind of it, funny. Yeah, it is kind of funny. He's like, I, I deserve that. You know, I don't know if I can do his. I deserve that. I don't know. That's a really bad Chris Rock impersonation. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, like, I, I, yeah, I think that it was, it was definitely something they they agreed to do to try to drum up attention. And I did see some things that came out after we we talked about it for the the people that don't know about it. You know, what years and years back, decades ago, um. Jerry Lawler, the the professional wrestler, for those that now follow wrestling, uh, had a confrontation with Andy Kaufman um, and actually slapped him. And for the longest time, it was thought that was a very real thing that happened. And it was there was a real tension between the two of them. And it turns out that, you know, however many years later, almost 15 years after it happened, um, that it was revealed that was an entire work that it was an angle came up and actually coffin was the one that insisted no slap me for real do this and like we'll make it look real um because of the entertainment value this this looked real i i or not real this looked real it, just, it, it was work but again at the same time who cares yeah i i, who I, cares I don't actually give a shit i don't care but zach i want to hear your opinion work shoot. twitter cares yeah, who cares it was a work Okay. <laughs> everybody's, yeah, everybody's working themselves to do a shoot over it. Yeah, it's dumb. Yep. Uh, we Someone was talking about it at work. I said, I don't know. A billionaire hit another billionaire. I couldn't give less of a fuck about any of that. I think what really makes me angry is like, now I understand they live on a different rule set, but like if one of us peasants did that, just a, just a random comedian in like a, and a stand-up in a bar or whatever. Well, they'd have to press charges for assault. Yeah, and yeah, which he uh, won't do if it's a work. And Jim Carrey like exactly. brought this up in an interview that he was doing on whatever show it was about Sonic Two, but like they brought up the Will Smith thing. Um, Jim Carrey, I believe he said he would he would have sued the shit out of Will Smith because that's on a grand scale uh, on live television of being slapped in the face and then like not even reacting and just taking it like a bitch and whatever. I mean, you could look at it a different ways. It'd be like always being professional by still having the show go on. But then other people that were like being like, Oh, in the hood, like he would have got shot. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Chris Rock would not take out a fucking gat and shoot Will Smith. This ain't the hood. Um, and, um, Jim Carrey's like, yeah, I would have fucking sued the shit out of him because that's embarrassing. And stuff, and Chris, like on Twitter, LAPD said that Chris Rock didn't uh, press any charges. And the way the way it's looking is that they're apologizing to each other. Apparently, Chris Rock's PR team said that he apologizes for the joke, which the joke was like so low tier, like oh she's bald and she should be in GI Jane too, and that's what made Will Smith get anger and slap a man. And on on live TV, like Will Smith has more of a problem <laughs> than than anything. But uh, yeah, I I wanted to bring that up because there's a lot of people that are like feeding into it, and that personally, I get pissed off when people are sheep and like f follow the uh, you know, the carrot. Yeah, you know, get told what to care about. Yeah, who they care. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I mean, we that's just the way media works, right? How how many minutes have we, have we not? I wouldn't say wasted, but we've spent talking about this when you know there are other things that are much more pressing in the world that yeah, can like, be discussed and get a platform. Yeah, like nuclear I mean, warfare. <laughs> like that should be. Yeah, the yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like we're on the brink of World War Three potentially, and we're talking about a man slapping another man for making fun of the the other man's bald wife. But the memes like, are funny. Who, not a man slapping another man, a billionaire actor slapping another billionaire actor. I want to make that clear. These people do uh, not care about you, and they are not real people. They do oh, that's that's very true. Which is the whole thing that makes no sense either, because people are bringing up like, oh, we're in the hood and do this or that. And it's like skin color. These matter. are not real people that we they, are they, discussing. They are very, very wealthy, so things are different for them. Like it yeah. just doesn't matter. Yeah, you're totally right. Those that's that's a whole different thing. So the, the only thing, and I'll 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 end it on this note. I I think if I had to play along that this was real, um, and Chris Rock, you know, he did get slapped. I mean, wrestling, there is moves that happen that you know you are getting hit and stuff. Uh, so Chris Rock was slapped. The only thing I could think of if if this was real is that like, oh man, you know, if I act like I'm all ghetto. This is going to look bad on me as well if I'm having a fight on the Oscars <laughs> on the stage. But I think in the professional sense of him, he's like, I'm just going to take the high ground. Be like, man, I just got, you know, slapped the shit out of by fucking Will Smith. Okay. And, you know, that's when he said, keep your, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And then that's when Chris Rock's like, okay. But let's get to the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's where it goes from there. And then, you know, obviously Will Smith wins an award. Um, and I guess I'll end it on a final question to you guys. Because they they came up with, like, laws and rules for the Oscars about, like, the, the Harvey Weinstein thing about the Me Too movement and not having violence uh, in any part of the nominees and the winnings. Do you think Will Smith should lose his Oscar because of what he's done at the Oscars? Um, or should he keep the award but not be invited to the next Oscars? That's the funnier one, the second one. that's That one's funny. Because <laughs> I think that's what the option is going to happen, is that he's going to keep the award, but then you're just going to be like, nah, don't come next year. Maybe work on yourself before you come back. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Or are you guys just going, I don't care? <laughs> I just don't give a shit. Okay. It's like, yeah. Yeah, nuclear warfare, guys. You should be worrying about that. Um, but I think we'll end it here, guys, unless there's anything you guys want to bring up before we go. No. Okay. We're going home, guys. So if you want to watch or listen to Big Trouble Little Podcast, if you watch it, we're on YouTube, so look up Big Trouble Little Podcast. If you want to listen to us, we're on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Uh, we also have Getting Some Color with me, Zach, and Chaz. Um, we're also going to be doing a Metal Gear podcast, which is in the works. And then we are also got the Nemesis Project, which me and Zach need to finish Revelations 2 and then talk about it. But we're going to end it here, guys. Remember, if you see the next movie that we're watching, make sure you watch the movie before we... Uh, you p press play because we spoil the shit out of everything. But until next time, everybody, have a good night. Thanks for listening. Yep. Later. <laughs>